Blog Talk Radio. Know that someone's loving you 
No matter how you say it, it only matters what you do. Each day, please take the time to tell someone that I love you. Small understanding from what I gathered from that work um, 
the first bar. If you don't have it, I suggest you get it on Kindle for ninety nine cents or order it from Amazon as fast as you can. When I was looking at what was happening and how it was unfolding, and I saw a picture of the person who did this, who is the culprit of this tragedy. I looked through his eyes and I said, right there. And then, of course, I saw the media just jumping all over it, jumping all over it and saying, this is this, oh, it's a hate crime, oh, we need more gun control. And I was like, man, they're missing everything. And I said, well, Kaya, what do you see? And in my studies, what I've been looking at is how the sinister, the dark forces have been descending upon this plan and taking control of people. There was a movie Denzel Washington was in a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was, it was in the 90s maybe called Fallen. And this evil spirit was moving through people just by touch. And then that person was going around whoever had just been touched. It's like the spirit would like commit a crime and then jump to another person, commit a crime and jump to another person. And to me, that is what I saw in this particular church situation down in Charleston. Uh, there are many, many views of And tonight I said I wanted to gather some people together to talk about it. So I can't do this by myself. I want to introduce them one by one. I want to get them all on the panel first, and then we're going to do a round robin for a little while, and then uh, we got to also open up for our special guest tonight, Master Mitchell Gibson. First off, I want to open the line for a caller from the 404 A6, Tony Quay. Tony, how you doing tonight? Brother Kair, what's going on with you? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How am I coming through? Yeah, you're breaking up. All right. Is this any better? Yeah. All right. I see what I got to do. All right. Let me bring in our next guest, uh, Brother Jamil Middleton from South Carolina. Brother Jamil, can you hear me? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Brother Kaya. Thank you for having me on, brother, for this uh, very important topic. I appreciate that. I'm glad you set up this forum tonight for everyone. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for lending your energy. I appreciate it. And last but not least, call up on the 870, Magus, Reverend Richard Bullard. How are you feeling this evening? Are you with us? I'm with you. Can you hear me? Absolutely. I'm clear. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show tonight, Kaya. As Jamil has said, this is a very important and pertinent conversation we're going to have tonight. So I think we have a all-star, an all-star um, program. Oh, man, I'm so happy because what I did was try to get as, as diverse a group as I could, but I also wanted to keep it with people who know the subject matter and are not just confined to what they see directly in front of them with their two eyes uh, I know that, Reverend Bullard, you were a pastor for 20-plus years down in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Uh, I know that Brother Jamil has um, his ministry that he's leading with Tribes of Faith down in South Carolina. And Tony Quaid, you're just, uh, your mind, you know, just as a scientist. That's all I can really call you. That would be vaguely accurate, um, your particular knowledge and, and looking at this from your particular experience. I just felt that it would be a great idea for all of us to sit down at the round table. 
comes and feels all this energy and is like, we can't let this, we can't let this information get out. <laughs> no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I do whatever it takes to make sure my voice is heard clearly. So let's rock and roll. I want to just ask each one of you brothers individually, what was your first perception when you saw or got the news? Uh, I'm going to start with Jamil first. Jamil, when you originally saw the information about what happened in Charleston, you know, what were your thoughts? Well, it's it's really close to me um, because I'm only about an hour and a half or so uh, from the area. And so it was a lot of, um, you know, the big response uh, here in this area about it because a lot of people where I am have direct family from there. Uh, my people are actually from Charleston. Um, one of the individuals who passed actually has my last name of Middleton. Uh, so my people are actually down from that area. Uh, so, of course, um, when you first hear about it, it's very sudden uh, and serious, you know, very tragic kind of experience because I'm, I'm thinking my first thoughts were, you know, my family was just in, uh, you know, vacation Bible school. I'm down here in the south. We're all in the Bible belt. So when I listened to that, I was like, you know, that could have been my father. I was just talking to my dad about that today, you know, how that could have been um, any of us. Uh, but, of course, um, I listened to it, and I started to get, uh, so as the information began to come in, I started to hear all of the details, and it began to seem uh, a lot, like there was a lot more going on than what was just being said. And I have been tracking a lot of these situations that have been going on with these violent tragedies, particularly these shootings, uh, over the past maybe five or six years, and they all have a very similar uh, profile. And a big part of that profile that um, I saw was that you always have um, a lot of, in a lot of these cases similar to the, the movie shooting or in Sandy Hook or down in Texas, you have um, individuals who uh, don't seem to be all the way there, almost as though <laughs> something is controlling them, you know. Uh, so that was the aspect of it that I, that I, I was looking at, and so my my immediate thought was just kind of brought me back to the scripture: of "We wrestle not against uh, powers and principalities; we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities." Uh, so I thought about that and began to wonder, like, why? You know, what was the intent of this um, particular situation? And you know, from my background being a Gnostic minister. Um, one of the things that I always look at, and from a, a perspective um, of African spirituality center, is that 
you know, our ancestors understood that if we're not balanced, we live in a world that where we're very susceptible to STDs. Uh, what I mean by that is spiritually transmitted diseases. Uh, and these spiritually transmitted diseases um, can go dormant, um, but then they emerge at, at these points of crisis, you know. And so when we see, when I saw that, I was thinking of it in, in that type of way, that this is a disease that's emerged. And when you look at this, a lot of times it's being spent as racism, which can go to the, uh, you know, gun control or it can go into the fear thing. A lot of people here were afraid. They were saying how scared they'd be to go to church tomorrow. You know, a lot of my coworkers and family and friends were saying how scared they would be. But I'm looking at this as a disease that has uh, now become full-blown. And because it is a spiritual disease, I don't mistake this for just being something that's racially charged but having different dimensions to it. I understand that we also have to approach it at the level from which it's emerging because I don't accept this as just solely being something about racism. And I know they're building that story around it, but this is obviously somebody who's not all the way there based upon the responses of things. So uh, my heart goes out to the uh, souls that have been hurled out of this reality. Uh, but I'm also thinking about this from a perspective of, of chess and not, not checkers, because I don't think it's, limited to what we just see, and I think that um, we have to approach it at the proper level uh, in order to bring healing, because whenever there's a crisis that emerges, uh, unless you deal with that crisis at the level on which it was created, uh, it will not stop and it will recycle itself. Uh, so I think there was a lot of factors that went into this. It happened in an area that uh, has had a very strong history of slave rebellion. Uh, Charleston is place where Native Americans and African Amer Africans were the most highly concentrated in slavery, so there have been a great amount of rebellions and, and suppression there. So I think that there's also a level uh, in this crisis that uh, we have an opportunity to delve into and uh, bring some resolution to, uh, or at least, you know, help put things back together as we go through this period of um, hurt and mourning and hopefully recovery. So I'm I'm glad we have an opportunity to put our voice out there tonight, uh, a different kind of voice uh, to my, my wife is in Charleston now, and she says there's many different groups down there putting their voice to this. So I'm glad that we're having an opportunity to bring the voice from this level on this panel, you know, to address it. So that that's um, some of my thoughts on it. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, Tony, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, you're not a Gnostic minister, but you are a seer. You understand how the media works. You know, the is not our friend. What did you feel? What did you see uh, when you first got the news? Well, first of all, my uh, my condolences to the family. Um, before I, before any of us share share our perspectives on what happened, one thing that we all know for sure is that some people have lost their lives and whatever level they were at spiritually, religiously, one thing is for certain, they they meant no they were not harming anyone. They weren't doing anything in, in their in, in, in their uh paradigm they were doing the best thing they could do. So my I, I, I my my heart goes out to them because I, I'm a student of uh 
of the, the thought pattern that whatever happens to one of us happens to all of us. If there's only one great I am God creator, universal, most high, whatever you call it, uh, one thing's for certain that if, if there's one creator that created everything, then we are all a part of it for better or for worse. And so I, I, I hope that uh, that family, those families that were impacted by this, find some peace for themselves. I'm not talking about the media version of peace because that's some minutia. That's not, there's nothing peaceful about anything that's going on, which is, which gets to my, my, uh, my point. Um, the Reverend that spoke before me said a lot of things that I agree with. A lot of things he said, nothing is as it appears to be. And to really, get an understanding of what we're witnessing, we have to open the aperture a little bit. We have to look a little wider. And obviously, something happened, a tragedy, an event. What I've been taught in my study is to look at the big picture and ask the questions, who, what, when, where, how, and why. In those questions, you will find answers. You'll find your own truth, and you'll find a context. And a lot of times, there will be a, a common ground that people can look at a situation that's a tragedy and start to wrap their mind around why. The most pertinent question to ask is why. Why did that happen? Why did it happen? And and the short version, the short part of my answer is that we and I'm going to say some stuff. I, I Like I said, I, I, I've I've kept a lot of stuff to myself, Coach. You reached out to me. Uh, several people reached out to me. I, I do a radio show, those of you that don't know. But I wasn't going to say anything about this in public. But when you reached out to me, uh, I called you. And then you said, hey, man, I want you to share those things you shared with me on the air uh, this, this Saturday. And then I, I meditated on it. And I said, you know what? It needs to be said. It's got nothing to do with 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 anything except those of us that are participants in this in this this space we're all going through right now. Uh, if we don't say and do, then the sinister wins, or at least wins this round. So, what I saw specifically, what I saw was a tragic event. But what I also saw is, unfortunately, in my perspective, uh, more just just something. I'm, I'm watching a play. I'm watching a a the sinister that's a phrase that I coined many many years ago as an umbrella for forces that that are doing things they're moving they're they're taking action because there is a wave of energy there's a wave uh, um there's a lot of things going on on this planet this planet itself where we are right now is not actually where we're supposed to even be that's a topic perhaps for another conversation but since we find ourselves here, I, I liken it to for those of you who've ever seen a piece of flypaper. Where we are, this planet and this plane, in, in my observation from my research, is we're on akin to a cosmic flypaper where a portion of our being, a spiritual portion of our being, gets held captive here. Just like a, an insect or a rodent gets caught on a flypaper trap, it's sticky. You can, you, you can get off, but it's, it's, it's a rare situation where once you're stuck there that you get off. Well, the good thing about us being sentient spirits in, in a human context, 
will get a chance to get off because we're on the, um, our creator is omnidimensional. We're made in the image of our creator. And so at the ground zero level, what we're seeing is just an enactment. Um, I want people, hopefully, this panel with, with the gentlemen that you've assembled here, Coach, and yourself, that will give the audience something to think about. doesn't mean whether it's right or wrong. They don't have to agree with any of us. I mean, the paradigm has to change every time it's necessary. But what, I, what is happening is a, 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 a play out. And the good news, because I'm always about the good part of things, the, the good news is that we have an opportunity through the process, some call ascension, some, some in religious circles, uh, the um, – the, um, I, I'm looking for the word, but but there's a time when when the spirit gets to evolve and ascend from this area that we're in. The good news is that there's an opportunity in front of us. The bad news, and even that good and bad, and it is what it is. I don't. Everything's not cut and dry. Is that the sinister forces have uh, they have a, they they have a script and they're playing it out, and it plays out in absorbing energy from those of us who feed energy into by our reactions and our responses to uh, witnessing uh, tragedies, not just here in Charleston, because I know some people that live in the Charleston area, and the first thing I did was call them to see if they, how they were impacted by it. But on a world stage right now, we're going through a transformation, and we're being exposed, the sinister rather is exposing his hand, because it has to. So I look at it as that, in the big design, since in, in my paradigm, nothing dies. It is this, this form may change, but the energy that is that being, that consciousness, the love that is there in those people, the things they did, that will live on. Unfortunately, what it's going to call for is a lot of people to start thinking differently about who, what, when, where, how, and why. So, you know, I saw a tragedy, but I also see an opportunity, something good that can come from this for for the family members, because they will grieve, and they are they that is their right. But at the same time, uh, we all get an opportunity to fight an enemy that, no matter what it, it may project to us, it's weak by very nature of the fact that it has to hide behind manipulating a people and, and mind control. I'm not giving anybody a pass. A little young punk went in there and did what he did. Period. Okay. The forces that are behind him, there's forces behind all of us. We're all subject to the same energetics. But I will say this, the war that, that they have been avoiding, they're, they're compelling us. And I'm not talking about some people running out in the street, recklessly getting themselves hurt and getting themselves killed. I'm not, it's, it's bigger than that. Your, your whole topic, Coach K, is, is the spiritual nature of things. So hopefully, at the very least, this conversation will get us looking at, at this in, in other dimensions besides just the obvious or just reacting to the obvious. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Tony. Uh, I, I'm going to hold your comment for a second, um, Brother, uh, Brother Bullet, as we bring on our special guest tonight. Uh, everyone, just please put your hands together. A round of applause for Dr. Mitchell, Master Rep, uh, Mitchell Gibson. Master Gibson, how are you doing this evening? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing very well. How are you, Kair? Oh, I'm blessed by the best, sir. Thank you very much for asking. I think everyone. Here we are. I think everyone. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, I'm honored that you would come on tonight on the show. Um, I definitely appreciate that. I know you have a lot of things on your plate that you are handling, you know, individually in your in your spiritual growth and as the shepherd for your sheep as well. Um, the first thing I noticed when this happened, like I said, was your book that came to mind and soul catching. I mean, it just seemed like you had actually just drew this young man like directly from the book, or he had came directly from, you know, a vision or something like that. Uh, I guess I would put the same question to you. The spiritual warfare that is taking place now and the darkness that is coming. Well, when we when we look at incidents like this, we tend to be reactive. But if you step back and you look at the problem that it represents, it's, it's not something that hasn't been happening for a number of years. Over the last 14 years, there have been uh, 160 of these incidents in the U.S. alone, 160. Just think about that for a moment. That's a lot of incidents. But the really shocking statistic about that is they tripled in the last few years. And over 1,000 people have been killed in incidents like this. So it's an onslaught that the media sensationalizes each individual incident, but it's tantamount to a terrorist war or something attacking the American public. In large numbers, we hardly lose that many people in battle. 160 separate incidents of people being killed, of people shooting other people. Sometimes the shooters are female, sometimes the shooters are male. But these incidents have tripled in the last few years to such an extent that seven, four or five years ago they were happening at six a year. Now there are almost 18 of these incidents a year, which is a lot. So you have to look at, well, is it just the gun culture? Is it just the fact that there are some crazy people out there wanting to do this? Or is something larger and more sinister behind this? Because at the same time, we're having more people disappear out of thin air. And people say, well, I don't know, it's just a mystery. Well, not too long ago, a couple few weeks ago, there was a boating accident in China. 400 people are still missing from that boating accident. This was a boating ferry accident on a river. Now, that river wasn't that deep. And even if it was, human bodies float. And this was a ferry. They recovered about 13 people. The other 400-and-something people, no bodies. None, not one. Not to mention the Malaysian airliners that no bodies, no recoveries, nothing. And this sort of thing is going on over and over on our planet, and the media will show it and they'll say, okay, it's just a mystery. We're talking about tens of thousands of people disappearing every year. Millions of people disappearing on this planet over time, just out of nowhere. And when you add into the pe- worldwide the number of people that are killed by these killers, we're under an onslaught that is being downplayed in our media. And I think it's time for us to look at it for what it is. It's an attack. And people turn their eyes and they say, well, I don't understand. Uh, maybe I'll just pray and go to church. That's not going to do it anymore. That's just not going to do it. We need to 
see this as a wake-up call to develop our spiritual awareness, our spiritual abilities, to use the tools that we have available to protect ourselves and to protect our planet. Because this is not something that will just go away because we want it to go away. Before too long, we'll hear something like this happening again, and we'll say, oh, it's such a tragedy. But it's not something that could not be foreseen. We have to be more proactive in protecting ourselves and those things, those people that we love. What are some of the proactive measures that we can take? Uh, what are our defensive measures? What what recourse can we take? Well, as a group, we can work together more to do defensive magic, protecting our homes, our places of business, our places of worship. We can use the spiritual protective tools like the medallions that we have, uh, like some of the protective rituals that we have. We can actually start enacting them in mass so that we can protect the things that we hold dear. We have a lot of tools. I've certainly given our followers a lot of tools, and a lot of them I've given out free. Now it's time for people to start using them in mass because the forces that be count on us being ignorant and inactive. This particular church, they are very steeped in the Christian belief. Um, and they may look at some of the tools that are available as hocus pocus or maybe even from, you know, when they hear the word magic, it's synonymous with the devil. How do we make spiritual protection m more, I'm, I mean, understandable for these people? How do we wake them up out of the spell to realize that they are really the ones who are unprotected and need to start bringing in more magical ways into their spirituality? I'll tell you a story. Um, a few days ago, we had a client call us and say that his, one of his relatives, a young girl, she was maybe five years old, um, was basically possessed by a demon. And the little girl was speaking in tongues, and the demon was telling who it was, and she was doing all the things that you know people do when they're possessed, just like on TV. These things still happen. And he called me and asked me what he could do. Uh, and he was terrified, as most people would be. Well, I told him to play the uh, spirit attachment removal and also to use the medallions that he had. The entity saw the medallions and heard the music, the spirit attachment removal, and got terrified, said that the light is too bright and there's also beings that came with these things, and left the girl, and now she's fine. Even if a person doesn't believe or even know that you're using the tool, the tools will work because the tools don't depend on the human agency for their power. They depend on the celestial world. They depend on the will of heaven. So if you bury uh, a medallion on a church ground, if you put it in a closet somewhere, that church is going to be protected. Whether anybody knows if they're other than the person that put it there, that church is going to be protected. Put one in a home. Put one in a business. That light will, perf will perforate that area and penetrate into spaces where darkness cannot uh, rest. So that you don't have to announce it, you don't have to tell people. But if you do it, that protection will spread. And we can use those tools in that way to protect places. Ignorance is a widespread disease, but you don't have to succumb to it to protect, to, to protect a place. Can you talk about anger? 
there are a lot of people who are not steeped in the Christian religion who are very angry <clears throat> and want to resort to iPhone techniques. And you recently, not just recently, but, you know, for years, but really recently this last workshop talked about the, the faculty of joy and having good thoughts in the mind. Can you talk about the how the are these forces feeding off of this rage, this anger as that that is, you know, as a reaction, and are they feeding off of fear? You know, what is rage, this? fear, and inaction yes. are the point. That's what they want to raise by raising fear, by making people be inactive through that fear, and by bringing to the public the idea that there's nothing you can do. That's what they want to do. They want to make people feel helpless. And unfortunately, in the church, they don't teach you how to deal with it. They say, pray and it'll go away. Obviously, that's not working. These incidents have tripled over the last three, four years. And unfortunately, the copycat phenomenon is real. We have to use spiritual forces to fight spiritual forces. And that's the only way it will stop. Fear, anger is not going to do anything but fuel it. Yes, it's a normal human reaction, but that human reaction is part of the problem. And that's the, the actual thing that these forces are depending on. They depend on us to react in a human way. They depend on us not to dig deep, not to pull out our spiritual tools and defend ourselves. That's what they, that's what they really want us to do, to sit back and be scared, like a child running away from a fire in the night instead of the child realizing, this is a fire. I don't have to be scared. I can warm myself by it. I can even cook food by it. But I don't have to be scared. And even in certain instances, that fire could help keep other dark forces away. But you have to first recognize that there are things you can do other than be afraid. Fear is the first I'm, response, but it doesn't have to be the only response. Uh, I'm going to ask this last question. I'm going to let uh, the other brothers on the panel, they have a question they'd like to ask you. Um, a lot of this, they said that the brother said, hey, I want to, I'm trying to start a race war. And some people may be listening to this show, and they say, well, the evil, when you keep saying the word they, they may say, hey, it's got a color to it. And I'm black. It was a black church. It was a white person that came in there. So is Mitchell Gibson saying that the they is white people? Or Because a lot of people say, you know, white people are evil. I don't feel that way, but what does what does what does Mitchell Gibson say about those who feel that? Well, who is the they? Can you put a face on it? Who who is the they that you're referring to? Who wants us to stay inactive and fearful? It has a lot less to do with race than it does with class. There are several distinct classes of people in our country, and one of the things that the powers that be want is for the underclass to attack the upper class or the perceived upper class, to get angry, to get upset. Unfortunately, African Americans are part of the underclass in large numbers, but there are more poor whites in the underclass than there are poor blacks. So the whole idea of a middle class being underserved, uh, being impoverished, being under attack by not being protected by the upper class, that's the real war. When you look at this next coming election, unfortunately, what you're going to see is a discussion about raising the middle class, raising the, um, the price of uh, what we pay people per hour, it's what we talk about raising the standard of living for the middle class, raising the middle class out of the perceived poverty they've been in for the last 30 years. Well, it's setting up in many ways 
a class war between the underclass and the perceived upper class. That's the, unfortunately, the thing that the forces want. They want those two classes fighting so that ultimately there's no unity against the real enemy, which is the dark forces. And in, the, unfortunately, the, the lower classes, religion is their main weapon. So if you get people fighting about black versus white, uh, religion versus spirituality, poor versus rich, they never organize to fight the true enemy. Mm. Magus, do you have a question? A comment? Well, <clears throat> well, yeah, I have more of a comment. Um, when I first, to go back to the original question, when I first uh, heard about this event on CNN, well, the first thing I immediately done, I identified with the minister. I identified with Is there anything wrong? I'm here. I can hear you. Okay, I identified with the minister um, who was um, killed, uh, I think, Clementa Pickney. And so I, uh, you know, pray for his soul. I tend to think that, um, I, tend, I tend to think that when, kind of like something that, that you have taught, Dr. Gibson, that uh, death wasn't expected and they may not even recognize that they were dead when it first happened. And so I actually prayed for all the people's souls, uh, did Unique Vajaya, and pray for their soul to transition into the afterlife. And so, but after that, I really was quiet. I kind of was asking the question, you know, what does this event mean? And I couldn't discern anything. I couldn't design anything. And then, then eventually I did. And so I, I posted um, a uh, comment on Facebook, and I viewed this as a major wake-up call. And, yeah, I looked at it from the history of black people uh, before they came to America, but but primarily I looked at the, the, the 100 years of lynching. I thought about, uh, obviously, obviously, you know, the slave experience, the 100 years of lynching during the area of Jim Crow. I thought about those four little girls in, in, in Birmingham called Birmingham uh, in 1963. And I thought about this protracted um, war of terror on many black people. And I asked myself a question. How did they get, how did this young man, inspired by dark forces as he was, how did he get past the spiritual protection that the church should have had? And that's when I began to say, this is a wake-up call by our ancestors, by the ancestors. I went and did a um, study on the church itself. And, and you're right, it's a very historic church. One of the early pastors, he and his wife are buried in the steeple of the church. I thought about 1822, Denmark Vici, and, and I discovered today that there was another guy that was actually the motivating force behind the rebellion that Denmark Vesey was planning. And he was a, 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 a guy who was named uh, Gullah Jack Pritchard. And he was a person who believed in the ancient spiritual sciences or what people might call uh, voodoo or they might, you know, some, some type of hoodoo. And he used that energy to organize the people. And the only reason and, and the only reason why it didn't work is because 
there were some uh, men, brothers, who who turned him and Denmark D.C. in, and on that spot where the church is located, at least in that area where the church is located, some 30 to 40-some people were killed. So I think that to a large extent, I think the ancestors are calling black people, are calling people to go back. I put an image on my on my Facebook page of the Sankofa bird to go back, get your stuff, and bring it forward. And by that I mean go back and get your magic like Dr. Gibson talked about. Go back and get your right mind because you left your mind. And I believe that is a call to for us to really begin to evaluate. Now, this may be a little tough to, to digest, but it's time that particularly black people have to evaluate for the benefit of the whole world to be ecumenical, have to evaluate their attachment and loyalty to European blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. I think we have to begin to reconsider our attachment because that was a part of the mental and the spiritual enslavement of our people. And I just think that we can't just overlook and ignore the many ancestors who gave their lives blood, sweat, and tears. And I think that when you begin to look at all these events, as Dr. Gibson beautifully put it out there, of these events that have been happening back to back, back to back, you know, Baltimore, Ferguson, the little girl at the swimming pool incident, more and more. We have to ask ourselves as a people, where is our power? And I say that because there was, I know of only one incident where slave people overthrew the control and the shackles of a dominant European power, and that occurred in Haiti. And they did not use Christianity as the force to change their reality. They used their traditional African spirituality. And I believe it's time that we have to reconnect with that power. And I, and I, I do agree with, with Dr. Gibson wholeheartedly is that we have spiritual tools. I've gotten spiritual tools from him. I actually um, share or really uh, uh, sell through my website, notismatters.com, spiritual tools. I have testimonies of people who have used those tools, those talismans, who have used those tools and have seen uh, and, and have seen reactions and deliverance and protection because of it. And I think that's a major call of the thing. I think we have to go back and we have to we have to reconstruct. I'm not telling you, you have to leave Christianity or do something else, but you gotta reconstruct it and 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 connect it with your your ancient African spiritual science that I call wisdom, the ancient wisdom that extends from uh, ancient Kemet or Egypt, the wisdom of that time and also the magic. I think we gotta go back and get our stuff and bring it forward to protect our home, our uh, community, churches, children. I think that's what we have to do. And I would I would close this little diatribe by saying one of the things that bothers me, in to what I just said, is 
how quickly people in our, outside of the, the black community, when a tragedy happens to black people, when a tragedy happens to them, people are so quick to want to forgive. They're so quick to want to get past the, the natural emotion. And as I said in, a, in another post, I think it's something to think about, and, you know, and, and I'm, I open up the MS one to say anything about it, is that there is a process of grieving. And I think that process is necessary. And when you rush through that grieving process and try to get to resolution or acceptance or, you know, forgiveness, I think you do damage to your own soul by not allowing it to really process what you're going through. That's that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Dr. Gibson, what is one to look for? Earlier today, yesterday, you gave out some astrological signs, but let's say somebody's in a church and a strange person comes in. Those people were saying, hey, we believe that he's coming in to pray with us. Are there any physical characteristics? Uh, you talked about looking if a person is casting a shadow. Uh, how does one spot something like this with a spiritual eye or a physical eye in order to uh, protect against themselves physically? Well, <clears throat> unfortunately, in, in more than 95% of these shootings, the shooter's carrying a gun and usually carrying more than one weapon. So when they walk in, they walk in with guns. You don't have to be a genius to realize if a person is walking in your church with a gun, you need to act. If a person is walking into a movie theater with a gun, you need to act. If a person is walking into a, a crowded school with a, a rifle or gun, you need to act. They're not going to hide their intentions in that way. The vast majority mm -hmm. of the time, they're going to be a, a person that walks in with a weapon with intent. It's not going to be something that you have to look for where they're going to conceal it most of the time. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't realize, that these people, when they do this, they let you know pretty quick that they, got, they have a weapon and they're going to do what they're going to do. So I think that the churches, unfortunately, uh, in addition to spiritual protection, need to be very careful about people. There are still places in the country where you can open and carry weapons, and I think that's wrong because I think there's just too much 160 incidents in the last decade or so is a wake-up call that we shouldn't be letting people carry weapons in public, especially in the churches and schools. We shouldn't be letting them carry weapons in the grocery stores or movie theaters, and that's something we really have to look at. We also have to look at the fact that many of these people, uh, unfortunately, uh, are mentally ill, untreated mentally ill people. And uh, I'm a psychiatrist. I know that more than 90% of the people have mental illness, never get adequately treated, and often they will act out the impulses that derive from their illness on other people. And so we're looking at a culmination of several things, the open carry uh, ability, we have loose gun laws, and we have poor uh, treatment for mental illness, and we also have almost no understanding of what true spiritual protection is. When you take that confluence of forces and you impose it on a public, you get 160 incidents, you get thousands of people getting killed, you get innocents becoming victims. How close is this situation to what you wrote about in your book, The First Darkness? Well, The First Darkness was written as a teaching story. Um, I saw this energy approaching our country and our world years ago, and when I was writing The First Darkness, 
a lot of the things that I wrote about are exactly like what we're seeing. We're seeing, uh, as crazy as it is, we're seeing people going into crowded places and just starting shooting. We're seeing family members shoot other family members for reasons that are just hard to understand. We're seeing the first darkness act itself out in real life. And in the first darkness, there was a force driving people to take weapons and um, kill other people and kill family members. And when that force was identified and dealt with, those incidents stopped. And I believe that if we can work together and identify those forces and protect our loved ones and our properties and our places of worship from them, these incidents will stop. But if we don't do that, Mm -hmm. they'll just continue to increase the way they are now. Wow. Thank you very much. Um, Anything... To the to the to the like so our first line. What is that? What's our first? What, what's the next move in protecting ourselves and protecting our black churches? Protecting believe, us from these. I believe that if there's a church you care about, somebody should put a protective medallion in that church somewhere. It does not matter where, but just hide it in there somewhere. And it doesn't have to be a black church either. But I think every church should have either. Demiurge medallion or Angels of Sanctification medallion or First medallion, one of those three. Those medallions well, me, put out a, every church should have somewhere in the church an Angels of Sanctification medallion, a First medallion, or a Demiurge medallion. Well, let me tell you what I did, because I used to pastor a church, and uh, many of y'all know that because you've been there. I actually... Um, uh, well, you know, I own all those medallions that Dr. Gibson's uh, talking about, uh, and he, and you know, I definitely believe that. I believe that when you get up in the morning and get dressed, you don't, um, you don't leave the house without it. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that, um, one of the things that that I did, I put those talismans on the wall, and I and I and I do that, and I say that because you know I've been in in in, in uh, I was you know in the, as a Christian minister. For thirty, or a little over thirty some years, and um, and the truth of the matter is, if you clearly read your Bible, it tells you to use these celestial writings, to use these these sacred talismans as a means of protection, just like Doctor Gibson said. But and I put them on the walls of the church in front of everybody, and it it, it caused a little stir. It struck a little uh, some. Uh, Personal demonic activity, but uh, but that's okay. But in in effort, in answer to your question, um, uh, Kaya, I really believe that the uh, beyond just spiritual tools and, and instruments, talismans and medallions, I really think that the biggest thing that the church needs, whether it's white or black, to truly protect itself, I really think it needs to deal with the truth of the history of the Christian faith. Because what we're dealing with and is and what people are going and praying to is based on the greatest lie ever told. And I think that there is, the time has come, and I believe the ancestors are telling us to step up your game. And it's time for us to, to boldly declare the truth. We have to teach the people the truth because the people are not operating with reality. They're not operating with true reality, and that cuts and that limits their ability to be able to uh, use 
the wisdom and the teachings that Dr. Gibson is speaking about, uh, these spiritual medallions, talismans, powerful energies, is cutting their ability because we are operating off the line and we run from the very stuff uh, that we need to be running towards. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Master Gibson, I know that you said you only had 30 minutes tonight, and I definitely want to honor your time that you have given us tonight. Um, is there any last words that you'd like to leave? Uh, we're going to stay on and continue to uh, continue to build, but is there anything else that you'd like to say before you depart? Well, I, I think you're doing good work. It's a very good show, and I just wanted to share a few insights I had about it, and um, I think I've done that. All right. I thank you very much. Please give your love to your entire family, uh, Ashaya, uh, Michael, and Tiffany for us all, please. Thank you. Thank you so much, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Thank you. Thank you. Same thank to you, Dr. Gibson. Right. Yeah, Have a good evening. Father's Day to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right, all right. I had to come outside. I know some people that have probably had their hands raised, but we're going to still keep building on the panel before we open up the callers. So please stay on the line, 347-205-9089. If you want to come in and get on the build, you can press 1, please. But I did step outside away from the computer so I could have good reception. Uh, I wanted to continue with my panel. I want to swing it back around to Tony and uh, talk about, uh, you know, uh, maybe some of the things that you heard, if you had some feedback from what Dr. Gibson was sharing, or if you wanted to, I, I wanted to move on to how this story is being spun and how we must start to spin it. What are some of the things that are your feelings on spinning a story? Well, first of all, Dr. Gibson said a lot, and uh, I'm going to just give a, a brief uh, response to that because a lot of what he said, there's there is so much to that, and um, here's 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 something I'm just gonna put out for the panel and for the the coach Kyer listening audience. What if, all right? What if we already are in hell, but we've been lied to about what hell really is? Okay, so if you, it's, it's a fair gun conclusion that if we've been lied to about a whole lot of other stuff, then we've probably been lied to about what heaven and hell really is. I, I, I'm of the, I've got come to that conclusion, and obviously, with the time constraints, I, I can't get into almost 40 years of research how I came to that conclusion. But here, what I will say: What if we are in a place where? This this energy that Dr. Gibson alluded to, and I agree with him wholeheartedly, I could almost pinpoint the window of time that this this energy came upon the planet. You could almost feel it at the time. And what if this energy was actually we're already in the place like let me let me put it like this, coach. Okay, if you go to a, a, a zoo, you're going to see animals, and you're going to see wild animals, okay? They look dormant, docile, because they're in a containment field, all right? That's where I go with this family. Okay, every now and then, somebody gets drunk or gets bold, and they climb off in the tiger pit, and we all know that bad things happen. They only got a split second to get out of there, 
because the curiosity of the tiger, the tiger instinctively knows that it's it's for the moment it's in its domain, but there's a there's a window of opportunity that person can climb back out of there, clap, make a loud noise, but once that tiger smells your fear, it's over with. You, you, it, be, nothing good is going to happen. You climbed in the tiger pit because you thought, because he was just sitting up there in a nice docile state, that you were going to be okay. All right? So walk with me on this, family. What if we're in a place where the sinister, the evil forces, have been in a containment field? All right? They always were. They, they, they've been, they, they don't have a shelf life. They, they exist. They live. You know, we've done, you, Coach, you've done movie decoding on my radio station. I've decoded movies, and I've shown the family how to not just literally dissect pieces of a movie, but look at it in a broader context of what you're really seeing. So what if uh, something was introduced in the last few years, as Dr. Gibson alluded to, that facilitated this energy being released to feed because, once again, we're in a zoo looking at animals that can eat us in a containment field. And some every now and then, for whatever reason, you get bold. Or, in the case of certain religious practices, you know, we believe that, I mean, I hate to go there, but you say, well, prayer is the answer. Well, they were already praying. They were already praying in church, and evil came in, was welcomed in. They welcomed evil in, okay, and uh, they became, unfortunately, they became victims. So my thing is this. we got to look at what, what, what Dr. Gibson said, what the pastor said, and how I feel, Coach, me and you talked about it. we got to rethink how we deal with this, this, this trip in this, this cosmic, what I call cosmic fly paper, the spiritual zoo. Clip-hop is a Sumerian text. Uh, Book of the Dead. There's a book actually that I would recommend the audience uh, get their hands on. It was written by a gentleman named Charles Fordian, and he proposed, I think, in the 19th or 20th, early 20th century, late 19th century, or 18th century. I don't remember the timelines, but please, family, because I don't have a timeline right, don't think that it's. Oh no, I can't. I can't get with that information. Just, just focus on the message, and you do your research. Do a Google search. The book is called Book of the Dam. Book of, Book of the Dam. And his position was that we are on a planet, in a plane, we are already in a place that we should not be. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but I'll just summarize it like this. We are in a spiritual war, and we are fighting a spiritual war. If you believe that we are, this is a spiritual war, and if you agree that you're going to have to use spiritual tools to deal with it, and I agree with both of those. I, I, my research has led me to uh, an affirmative on both of those. And the next thing you're going to have to do is assess, like any war zone, okay, so where are we at, okay, what's the best course of action, and and not so much always reacting to what, quote-unquote, they are going to do, because like that tiger, it's in the containment field. You climb in there, then you got problems. Now, last thing I want to say about uh, 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 this, and then I'm going to, say something brief about the spin on stories because it's all connected. Everything's connected. You look for patterns, and in pattern recognition, you'll, you'll find you're on a path to truth and, and enlightenment, whatever that means to each individual. Okay, same scenario. We're in the zoo. Okay, 
I'm smart, okay? I'm protected by the blood of Jesus or whatever, right? I know better than to go in that, climb in that lion's pit. I know better than to climb in a tiger's pit. I see the crocodile basking in the sun. It's a cold-blooded reptile, so it's getting it, it, it's getting heated. His body heated up. I know better than to go in there. I see a hippopotamus up there just minding its own business. What if somebody behind the in the control room or at the command post in that zoo opened up all the cages, and all of a sudden, what do you have? You've got a bunch of people walking around that a majority of those animals would eat. They don't care about what your religious affiliation, your 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 political affiliation, how much money you got in your pocket. That's what's happened on this planet. And I'm going to speak something. I'm going to throw this into the conversation. Anybody's more than welcome to talk about it. I'm going to be addressing it in um, a publication that I will be releasing here later this month. CERNs. We talked about Vortex. We talked about uh, Stargate. I submit to you, family, that some diabolical agents of the sinister forces we're talking about have opened up the gates of hell, allowed these entities that we're in, we're, we're already, they're, they're, whether, the, whether we're in their house or they, they found their way into our dimension, but what has happened with some of the technology that the sinister is using, they've opened up the gates, the containment fields, and now... That's what you're seeing. You're seeing family turn. I mean, people just getting turned up on nothingness. Why are you mad? What are you mad about? Well, he ate the last pork chop. She ate the last bowl of Captain Crunch. Uh, he just looked at me the wrong way because I was getting ready to buy a Miles candy bar instead of a Snickers. So did that get, did you mean you have to blow them away? And then, heaven forbid, you've got genetically modified food. You've got... Um, You've got religious programming, which has not served any greater good for thousands of years. There's never been any winners in this religious game that's been played on the spirit of the people collectively. You've got uh, a a terraforming uh, effort taking place on the planet right now. You've got entities that that are present here that have always been here that have been in the containment field. And last but certainly not least, you've got a proxy. You've got they've got they they need a, a publicist. And their publicist is the media, which gets to your second question, Coach. Spinning the story. If, if, I, I study neurolinguistic programming and family. You've heard me on my radio show talk about it. Neurolinguistic programming is something that everybody should be aware of and study. Now, all the all you're in study groups, and you want to study. And I want to say something real quick about studying. Okay, while you study your past, someone is creating your future. You can't get to tomorrow without creating tomorrow. You can't save tomorrow because if it hasn't happened you and, and somebody's tomorrow is your end, then you're not going to save anything except maybe prolonged time. Part of what we're seeing right now is because people have been projecting their tomorrow on us, and we've been programming us, even the best of us, including the brothers in this panel. We all started out wanting to know more about who we were, but the brother mentioned the Sankofa bird. At the same time, the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. It's more in front of us than behind us. I'm a student. I've been in the study groups for almost 40 years. 
But I also figured out at a very early age, before I even got into study groups, that if I don't project my thoughts into a future, I can't create a future for myself, which gets to the media. How do they play in this? What's their role in this? Well, what they do as coach is really very simple. They just keep repeating something to you until it becomes a consensus reality. Now, it's very easy to say, oh, well, I don't watch Fox because it's BS, or I don't listen to Rush Limbaugh because it's BS, or did you hear what so-and-so said? Do you know that once you feed, focus your energy on something, you're still feeding it? Once again, I mentioned earlier on when you asked me, I look at things and I recommend people to look at things from multiple dimensions, not for the sake of just being strange. That's another thing that we got to stop doing. We got to get down to brass tacks. Dr. Gibson said, use these tools. The other brother said, use these tools. Let's use tools. But the main tool that you've got to use is your consciousness. The best tool you have in defense is, is your consciousness because your consciousness creates reality. Your consciousness is a tool. It's a Swiss Army, cosmic spiritual Swiss Army knife that does everything for you. But what the media does is it takes as long as everybody sleeps, in a, in, a, in, a, in a comatose, semi-comatose state or in a reactionary state or in a, a, a half-sleep state, I think it's a theta, theta uh, brain wave, but don't quote me on that. Uh, it's not my area of expertise. As long as you're there, they're going to keep feeding you. They, they're gonna, they, they, they don't just want you to agree with them. That's where it's too easy for us to get caught up. Social media is full of people unknowingly, unwittingly feeding energy to the very thing that they're opposed to. Why? Because a computer is a vortex, and social energy is a, like in a context, Coach, a soul collector, or not necessarily a soul collector, a spiritual collector of energies. So if 100 of us go look, follow a thread and throw somebody under the bus, 100 of us, we follow a thread, just 100 people, do you realize by feeding energy to that thread, you're feeding energy to that reality, whether you oppose it or not, the subconscious mind only only operates in an affirmative context. So what I've always said, and this is almost counterintuitive, not counterproductive, what happened in, in, uh, in Charleston is very unfortunate. But I've got to go there. I, 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 I owe it to the family. I owe it to the panel. I owe it to myself to be truthful. Everybody in this paradigm gets what they want on some level of consciousness. Now, do these people want to die at that particular time consciously? Of course not. It's crazy. Brother Quaid, you've lost your mind. No. What I'm saying is by feeding energy to a false religion, a false doctrine, a false religion, they've unconsciously fed into a negative energy that set up the false doctrine for them to believe in that as soon as you die, you're going to get rewarded. And if everything's amped up and turned up right now, which it is, once again, another discussion for another day, when you've got... The controllers opened up the containment field, so all the wild animals, cosmic beings, soul eaters. That's what's happening here. We're in the middle of a feeding frenzy and origin. Don't let me get in here for a second because we got a lot of people that's trying to get in, and I got a lot more people on the I panel, and I got something I got to get off. I just want to wrap up what I said right. with the spin. The spin is based upon you feeding it energy. So the best thing you can do is not ignore it, but focus your energy on how can I create reality? How can I do something to antidote that? How can we protect the church for those that don't want to wake up because we still love them 
And how can I, because I know better and I have these tools and know how to use these tools, how can I use these tools to stop reacting and start being proactive about creating the reality that we want to be in that Dr. Gibson and the panel we are all alluding to? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, callers, I know if you want to get in on this, obviously it's uh, 773-640-786. I'll see you in the queue. If anybody who's already on the line wants to get in, you're going to have to press 1. If you're in the chat room, you're just going to have to type your question in because the lines are jam-packed. So if anybody falls off and you can't back, don't hang up right now because you probably won't be able to get back in because people are, like, constantly calling in and, like, people are falling off. So don't go walking around the house. Like, stay in one spot because if you get dropped, you can't get back on. You're going to have to listen on CoachKRadio.com, all right? But uh, before I open the line, from from just my particular feeling of this, you know, uh, most of us came up in the church. You can be super conscious. You can have a wide aperture of consciousness. You can have all these other things, but these are family members, fellow human beings that, as Tone said at the beginning, were doing nothing. They weren't harming anybody. Now, I must say this, as cruel as it sounds, I still don't know their karma. I still don't know, the, in the grand scheme of things, what they did to, to deserve what they did. Because when you look at it, nobody's like so, 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 so innocent, all right? I don't know, because None somebody's 85 years old or, or 90 years old, you know, they shouldn't have done it. I don't know what somebody was doing when they were 21 years old or anything like that. Also, here's my issue with this whole race thing. Listen, none of you who are listening to the sound of my voice, live or recording, can guarantee that you are one color or the other, including the guy who pulled the trigger, all right? At 21, you're really easy to mislead. He's very susceptible for a walk-in, which is what that is called. But none of you can just be like, oh, my God, I've been white all my life, and I really feel bad because all my, I, I, I come from slave. No, you don't know that. You don't know that. You don't have any concrete concrete proof. And the black, melanated, Kushite, melanite, whatever you are, you don't have any proof that you were always from Africa. You you don't even know. You could be an immortal that sleep and don't even realize that you've only been here one time. So some of these things are so much bigger than the things that are getting poured into you for the division. Here's how we win. Don't feed into the division. Don't feed into the hate. They got a guy on there now saying, "Well, he was my friend, and I don't, and I'm black, and he slept on my floor, and I still love him like I did before." And somebody was like, "Oh, media paid them. Why must you even comment and respond like that? Where's the compassion? Where's the? If you take the picture, if anybody's my friend on Facebook, you can look at my profile picture, copy that picture, and put it in a frame, put it on your altar, and light a candle." Because those souls need help transcending, like Reverend Bullard, like Magus that he prayed over their souls, like Jamil did, like I do. You can pray over those souls first, then pray for the families of those who are suffering, who are so-called as advanced as you are. If you're advanced and you're still thinking about division, I got a trick for you, a little surprise. You ain't that advanced. If you think that this is a um, us against them, and you think it's a black against white. You ain't that advanced. You, 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 right. you already lost. You've already been set up for failure. You already set up because it's just listen. You're not meditating. I didn't. Hear, I I missed the opportunity to ask Father about how much you be calming the mind down so you can resonate with these things. So when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, 
here's a medallion, here's a talisman. I'm about to put it in your church. Or if you get caught putting one in the church because your mama goes there. My mama goes to a church, I'm going to drop the talisman in there, period. And if I get caught, what are you doing? Oh, man, I got to be clear enough to really give this person something and be like, uh, I'm just putting some flowers on this on this, on this, on this grave tombstone or whatever. So you got to come up with something. Listen, because the forces is much deeper than trying to just explain it. But for those who you, who know you really will, uh, what they used to call you smarty aunt cats, you got to be doing the work of many more. Uh, Wayne Dyer in his book called The Power of Intentions, he said one positive person this regular positive energy, like, evens out the energy of, like, 50 negative people. He said that the, by the time you get to the Dalai Lama, one Dalai Lama is, like, is like um, evening out the energy of about a million negative people. So how strong you are, the stronger you get in your positivity, you're evening, you're evening, evening out more negative energy because that's just what it is. On this planet, it's like 8713, 8317, 17 positive, 18 negative. But you have to look at an electron. Look at look at any like the makeup of a cell. There's a proton, the neutron, and the electron. But one of them at the nucleus is heavier than the rest because the electron can bond with other electrons. But you don't see the neutron and the proton bonding because they have to stay there in the center. That's why mercury, you take a gallon of mercury and a gallon of water, and one of them is denser than the other. Stop being water people and be mercury. Have more density in your prayers. Have more have more completeness. Have more compassion in your heart. You can't uh, think, I, I can get some, like, I'm going to throw another black person on the bus with some black. You know, and I don't want to leave my white brethren out, too. When somebody's speaking about this particular thing, you can chime in, too. You can chime in as a white person. You can't say, well, that's not my fight. Because you've lost lives, too, to the same sinister. So, sure, I do agree with Reverend Bullard when he says, the better we do as spiritual people for those who are melanated this go-around, the better the world goes. Because when we tell stuff for everybody, man. We tell stuff like nobody's business. But also when we start praying and talking, like this woman who lost somebody got up there in the courtroom and was like, I forgive you. I don't really feel like I could have said that like three days in the same week. I'm from the tribe that gets seven days to mourn. I'm from the warrior tribe. Now, for you warriors out there listening, where was your ass at watching the door? Why won't you just throw the church so far from the bus that you won't go over there and watch the door? Just on a primal level, even if you don't believe in medallions, you ain't got to believe in it. But what about your physical presence? And you look at this guy and say, you know, you look weird right now. They're having prayer service. How many of us can go out here and to these churches and say, you know what, I'm going to stand on my watch. I'm going to get on my square on this door and make sure it doesn't happen. So, yeah, I'm calling out all you, all you print calls. Out here, where were you? Where you press halls at? If it's about the black church, and that's what you're meeting up at, then get out there and get somebody on the door physically, so that doesn't happen. For those of you who are more in the elevated state and you're doing your meditation, you know how to go over to com. You know where to get talismans from tonight. And that's the thing, Dr. Mitchell Gibson doesn't have a monopoly on talismans. He doesn't have a monopoly on it. He's got some of the strongest tools, though, and I highly recommend them, and they work for myself and my family and a lot of people I know. But it's nothing but sit around and just complain and throw people under the bus 
you just as much a part and an agent for the sinister as the sinister himself. Now let me get to the lines, 347-205-9089. Jamil, I'm coming back to you. The reason I can't get to everybody, everybody, I know y'all like, why you can't get to everybody? Because if you notice, everybody on here is long-winded. So don't keep texting me saying, oh, everybody's so long-winded. I got some scholars on here. I got some scientists on here who've been bubbling at the net. We can do a part two on the show. It don't bother me, but I wanted to squeeze this in because I didn't want a, a, a conflict with any other schedules of other broadcasts that are on that are going to be talking about the same thing, but I wanted to get in, and this was an open opportunity. So please put them on your altar. Light a candle for them. If you don't have an altar, guess what? This is a good time to build one. You ain't never been motivated to build an altar for somebody. You need four things on your altar, water, fire, a representative of earth and representative of air. Burn the incense, there's your air. Put a flower on there, there's your earth. Put a, a nice, clear, clean bowl of water on a wine glass. You got your water, and then your fire is a candle. I don't care if it's a tea light candle, a seven-day candle, or something that you made yourself that's going to burn out in like an hour and a half. Your house is not going to burn down, okay? Your house is not going to burn down, all right? So that's, that's, that's my brief spiel on that. I hope I don't sound like I'm ranting, but Coach is passionate about the things that I love, all right? And I don't like seeing people in my family, you know what I'm saying, which is the human family, die because of their naivety. This show is about stop being so freaking naive that you can just be like, oh, the blood of Jesus is going to do this, and if I don't forgive them, I'm going to go to hell. I got to get back to Reverend Bullet because we talked about this ain't hate. Ooh, I ain't going to bring it up yet. Let me get in because I got another long one when getting ready to come on, too. Right now, I want to talk about from the mental aspect, uh, from the uh, 7-7-3 Minister Jew. What you got for me from the priesthood? Coach, what's good? What's going on, Lord? Jump on in on it. I know you got some fire for me. You start in with you want. All right, man. Hey, I just want to say peace to the, everybody that's on the panel, man, uh, that came through to talk about this subject matter tonight. Um, you know, we fighting against states of consciousness, man. Uh, it goes way beyond race or gender, right? Uh, these are eternal states that have always existed. And um, we have the ability to choose which state of consciousness we're going to participate in. Now, this is going to sound really crazy for people who have probably haven't heard my message or Air Food's message, but I got it. Everybody who's been watching these stories, you're helping participating in creating the next event. If you're watching these stories and lending uh, emotion to it, and you're recording all of this imagery in your hippocampus, you are participating in, in facilitating the next event that you're going to cry about injustices happening to somebody. Check. We have, to, we have to understand how we're made. We have to understand when, when people talk consciousness and tahuti and yada, 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 these are principles that's going on inside of our physical brains. We have structures in our brain that operate, uh, like one of the gentlemen said, specifically off fade away, which is the hippocampus that deals specifically with imagery. So every time you see these images, Right? The quantum responds to imagery and emotion. That's how waves get collapsed 
into particles called events, called people, called places, called things. And the, the, the part of the consciousness that creates these events is called your human imagination. That's what creates it. This is the part of you that is boundless. It is limitless. And when you understand when things are being fused into the structure in the brain that creates inner imagery that does not necessarily need external data, then you will understand how you're creating these events by consistently observing them. So anybody who's not familiar with quantum physics and wave collapse and particles, because I'm going to tell you something, Coach, whole entire gambit of of, 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 of of this 3D world up. It's electrons, right? Uh, 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 neutrons, right? Quarks. All of these things make up this reality that we live in called the visible spectrum of light all the way down to the invisible spectrums and to the gamma ray spectrum and to the infrared spectrum. So, and these things are conscious. You are conscious. You are made of them. Your body is con- consists of atoms. So when we understand that these uh, subatomic particles are intelligent and they respond to human observation, then we really ain't got nothing to complain about. And, Coach, you know the work that we do. We just don't talk it, man. We live it. We showcase how to use this data, right? So it depends on how you want to attack the situation. For three years, we've been demonstrating how – I mean, you name it, from natural disasters to major terrorist attacks to uh, people in the, iconic people in the world, we've nailed these dates down to the date for two years because we understand that this thing is a rhythm. This thing is more about collective consciousness than you can ever understand. And the thoughts of man is what drives these events into manifestation, Right? You got over five million parts of magnetite in your skull that you find in the electromagnetic spectrum, right? And then when you hear these scriptures in the Bible talk about uh, you fighting against principalities, right, and forces in high places, right? When you look at the situation in Charleston, you see how is it that on the very same day where the revolution was to start by Denmark Vesey, this guy runs up in this church and goes and lays nine people's soul down or nine bodies down, right? It's not a coincidence. It's called we have not decided to observe events in time and space from a different angle. And what I mean by that is it don't, it, it, it's nothing physical. This whole thing is mental and spiritual, y'all. And we can change this reality with our thoughts, with our thoughts, and then it will look like what somebody would consider to be a miracle, but that's just because they unlearned. They don't understand the true power of man. You create how this phenomenon. How do they switch over, Jew? How do they switch over from being a pretender to a contender? How you switch your thoughts around okay. being from a pretender and a being a victim to being victorious? How you switch it over? You, what you have to do is, but this is a great question, Coach. What you have to do is. You, start, you have to start seeing from a future tense. You cannot keep looking at old data and then think you're going to create a new phenomenon. It doesn't work like that. 
you have to go into the future. When you look at the word pray, right, because people, when we talk about prayer, most people get their concept of prayer from spiritual books or religiosity, right? But when you look at the word prayer in the Hebrew language, when you translate it from the English, it comes out to a word nah, which means it's a verb in a, uh, in a, in a passive mood where, it's like, example, if somebody, if you tell somebody, I, I, would you be quiet, right? To take place from that now moment carrying on into the future. So it is a constant thing. So when we say, when we say well, we're going to pray, but we are praying for things after events or ways have turned into particles called events, called nine people dead, it's too late. It's too late because the way that the, the, the mystics and the people who had the revelations was dictating it to you. So you have to step into the future. You have to start creating from a future tense to ask yourself a question. What would it look like if this already happened? Right? You have to get past the binding factor in the brain, coach, which is extreme prayer and extreme meditation. You have to break the hold that the thalamus has on the regular states of consciousness. You have to go past the 40 hertz in the brain, which is the 40 days and the 40 nights, and yada, 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 in the biblical text, in order to push past regular states of consciousness to create on a quantum level. So we're going to be at Stone Mountain on July 11th, and we're very, very meticulous on how we pick dates. And we're going to rock this place down here. Right, because we take a we we have our own stance on how we gonna deal with this thing, right? But you know, to each his own, however they wanna handle it. But what I'm saying is you're fighting and these people who lived three hundred years ago, right, who had these wicked ideas, whether black or white, their thought forms still are lodged in this magnetic field that we call Earth. And then you think that it's a coincidence on the same day when that same person went in that same church and did the same damn thing, right? You think it's a coincidence. No, that individuals, that magnetite in that young man's brain, Dylan Storm, whatever his name was, got triggered by a thought form that exists in the magnetic field from somebody who lived 200 years ago. So we got to wisen up down here, man. We, can, we cannot be playing. And like one of the one of the gentlemen said on the panel, it's consciousness. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. Not no object outside of your mind. That's where they got you fooled. It's no object outside of your mind. Your mind is navigating matter. And the bridge of incident finds you. It'll find you. You ain't gotta look for it. So what you wanna create? How do you wanna address the issue? That's the real question. How do you want to address the issue? Right? Because if we can tell you we know when this thing is going to jump off, listen, we didn't we didn't nail down Nelson Mandela's death to the date, Maya Angelou's death to the date, Hugo Chavez's death to the date, all them typhoons in Japan, the Boston Marathon bombing, and we'd have been so thorough with the data, Coach, we took the information and the rhythm back 200 years in every major event that ever happened on this planet. Pearl Harbor, uh, you name it, co- coincided with the rhythm that we've detected in this solar system. So now we can be like heart math and decide that we're going to do global meditations for peace, right? Because we know these dates and when these things are more plausible to happen. 
where these where these thought forms that exist in the magnetic field would trigger events down here in this physical uh, uh, existence. So we can project, we can project it in, right, and stop it that way. Or if you a young warrior like myself, right, you choose to go about it another way. But I'm not going to uh, divulge wholeheartedly on this radio show about that because we decided we weren't going to talk about it in that nature anymore. But uh, that's pretty much my piece, man, on, on, on what the real deal is down here, man.
Quit hanging around these fake conscious community clowns. Quit hanging around these fake Christians, these fake Muslims. Get around somebody whose mind is proactive and moving forward, moving forward into saying, yo, I want to move into a dimension where I can think, I can create, and I can use magic freely, and I can have prosperity. It's all tied together. Your, 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 your mercy, your spirituality, your happiness, your joy, all of that, including your sexuality. Let's move on into something else that is much more fulfilling than what we want to concentrate on. Let's look at a bigger picture. Not just cut off the TV. Getting on Facebook ain't enough. If you hang around somebody who's just spewing negativity into your, ears, into your mind and you're always reading it, that's a real problem. I highly suggest download um, removing negative karma and Somebody help me with the um, spirit attachment removal. Anytime I get somebody at my house and come through accidentally, and I don't know how they got up around, and then got as a chicken bottle, and it was in used too much profanity or something, they to play that. Everything out that came behind me. So most of us are carrying around a fat spirit. Open up the show. Open up the line. Jamil, thank you for being patient. Reverend Bullock, thank you for being patient. Tony, thank you for being patient. I do want to get to my callers. Yeah, they all be like, down in Miami from uh, yeah, 786. Brother Chess, did you mean the present one? Did you got a lot of background on mm-hmm. Me and Mike went and looked at the one down in Coconut Grove. Okay, well, I guess he's a idiot by accident. Anybody trying to talk about this part? Please press one. I got to spin the mic back around to Jamil because he's been sitting on some stuff for a minute. Jamil, you've been listening patiently. I know you got something to share with us. Come on, brother. What's on your spirit right now? Well, it, it really just ties in a whole lot to what everybody on the panel has already spoken to, uh, particularly the whole aspect of, of, of the power we have in rituals. So I wanted to read something uh, that caught my attention many years ago just to put this out there real quick. Um, it's a it's a quote by uh, Dagara Shaman by the name of uh, Patrice Malidoma Somme, uh, and this speaks to um, a lot of what we're saying. And the, and the quote says, where ritual is absent, the young ones are restless or violent. There are no real elders, and the grown-ups are bewildered. And um, that really connects a whole lot to this because we now uh, live in a society that has been built up over uh, indigenous uh, original societies, and it's a society where these rituals do not exist. Um, so, you know, in, in older tribes, when the men would go to war, they would not be allowed to interact with the uh, population before they went through a ritual, uh, which would allow them to reintegrate themselves uh, back into a harmonic manner. Uh, which would allow them to, you know, come back with their wives and their children. Uh, when children reached, um, you know, puberty or what have you, they would have particular rituals that would help them give meaning and be empowered by the, you know, biological processes that were going in, the psychological changes that would empower them and give them understanding. And now in large part, of course, you still have that in certain aspects. We don't have that now. So you have soldiers who are coming back and becoming policemen, Without having been processed, you have teenagers, male and female, who are not going through these processes. 
and that's something that we have now um, that we can begin to reclaim. Because I'm not one to say to throw out everything, the baby with the bathwater in terms of the Quran or the Bible and what have you, because what I've learned is that each of these things, they contain uh, these sciences, but they've been uh, blocked over a lot. And, and a part of our work is to um, reintegrate those teachings in terms of um, how the communities operate. Uh, so that now as we're introducing these ideas uh, concerning the matrix nature of reality, and science has proven this out now, uh, we also begin to really focus on what Minister Jew talked about, what uh, Master Teacher Mitchell Gibson talked about, what uh, Magus talked about, and that is reclaiming that technology that we lost, that ability to enter into ritual. It's, you know, for example, the word altar is used in the Bible a number of times, and that word is always shown in a place uh, in such a manner that it describes our ability to connect uh, between this natural world and the greater uh, potentiality and power of the other parts of ourselves. I think Brother Tony talked about we're omni-dimensional beings, so the word alter is dealing with the technology that connects us to that. And more importantly, one of the things that I'm really focused on in my mind is how to begin to orchestrate this on collective levels, because we know the research about TM medita meditation, trans transcendental meditation and things like that. We know that if we gather and we fill ourselves with a particular thought, um, it, that if we use certain uh, ritualistic symbols and sigils, that we can harness that. But if we can do those things together, rather than feeding uh, objects or entities that are outside of us, if we do those things together, then we can begin to collect the data and see see the actual change around us. So I just wanted to speak to that because ritual is something that has been lost, that we become very afraid of. We're afraid of that word unless it deals with bread and wine, you know. If it's not bread and wine, we become afraid of that. But I think we need to um, reintroduce that and, and stop becoming afraid of that because it's a part of a technology that helps us uh, access some things that our thoughts and emotions alone can't access. Sometimes we have to get into a place where uh, we can become receptive to something that's bigger than our own subjective, um, you know, experience. And, and I think that's that's what I'm very thankful for with this discussion that we're talking about that and making that thought very available so that it can, you know, begin to churn in people's minds. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Magus, I got to get to you, brother. I know you got something to say, but I got to ask you this question. I told you about people being angry. I said, man, people shouldn't be so angry about this. And you was like, Kyrie, they ain't full of hate. They don't have hate. Tell me, go ahead and share with go ahead and share with the listening audience of how you responded when I when I suggested that people were full of hate. What did you tell me that they if they weren't full of hate, what are they full of? Oh yeah, well we're just talking about hate being one. Hate is a is a human emotion. Okay, and the way I look at it is that. Every emotion has a value, spiritual value. In a book called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins, he calibrates these emotions from the lower emotions to, let's say, he applies a number to them in terms of their spiritual power to move, to cause change. And the the, the lower emotions... Uh, range from let's say fifty to uh, let's say a hundred and seventy-five, with shame being the lowest and pride wow. being yeah. the highest 
uh, of 175 are the lower emotions. And the, when you're in that lower range, it requires more effort to get something done. But once okay. you cross, once you cross into uh, courage, you have to you calibrate to 200. That's when you begin to see movement. That's when you begin to. That's when you begin to see change. And then it goes all the way up to a thousand, which is where enlightenment occurs. And at that highest level, one enlightened master can counter. Uh, uh, counterbalance, uh, let's say, 12,000, uh, let's say, unconscious people. So one master can compensate for 12,000 uh, unconscious people. And so right now, the, the you know, he calculates, David Hawkins calculates the planet, uh, you know, to be, uh, not too high. I mean, it's kind of like maybe just maybe just a little bit below courage. So it's important that we take responsibility for our emotions and raise them up. So let me go back to your point, Kaya. When you mentioned about hate, and I and I kind of said, wait a minute, what's, you, don't be too hard on hate because hate at least means that you will do something. Hate is better than Hate is better than apathy and shame. In other words, a person who's operating with apathy and difference doesn't, he's at the suicidal level. So when I look at, and I'm going to say black people, I know you don't want to deal with the issue of race, but I don't, I don't, I don't view race and conversations necessarily as anti other people. You can have a a love since you have since well I understand the incarnation principle, and you might not have been black in two hundred years ago, but the fact is you live in a black body now, so you have to be responsible for you know the place where you are. You're not locked into it consciously, obviously. You got to go beyond race, religion, and you know society, but. Maybe the reason why you incarnated in this body is to change some of the trauma and some of the chaos in the past. So when I look at black people, I see black people as people, at least in America, black America, as people who are victims of post-traumatic, of post-traumatic stress syndrome coming from the experience. And, and, and I believe that, I really believe that as a people, we are, Change agents. Change agents. We were that uh, at the beginning of the country. We were that in the 60s for sure. And I think we've been asleep, and I think the ancestors are waking us up. And everything that Brother Jew said, you know, we have to change our, we have to, we have to begin to understand that our ancient science was quantum physics spoken in a mythology. And so, we have to wake up, and when we do that, I believe we will be the keys to mediate and to wake up other people who are afraid to speak at this time. So our voice and our awakening is very is very important to the healing of the world, if you will. But anyway, the point is is that anger. When you get angry about something, at least you will move to do something. But you can't stay in anger. You can't get locked down in anger. 
And I think that eventually we have to keep elevating our emotions till we break the the courage barrier and begin to move into higher emotions of possibility where we can um, begin to really change and, and to make a difference. You know, I think it's important, I think it's really important that we have to create organizations, communities, through organizations, to do what Jamil just talked about is to have rites of passages so we can begin to take care of our circumference and spread it from there. Start with our own circle of concern, that is, our our families, our children, our communities. And if we do that, I think we will have a tremendous impact on the whole world. But we just can't stay there. We have to continue to move wider and wider. So I just think that what I'm trying to say about emotions, I really, I really feel it's important that we have to begin to transform ourselves and begin to own our emotions, be honest with our emotions. Don't try to negate or dis or deny or lie about what we are feeling. It has a purpose. It has a process. It's trying to teach you. Even the negative emotions can be transformed into higher realities and wisdom. And we and and when but when we deny our own shallow emotions, dark emotions. That's when we become evil, because then you lie, and then you hide, and then you become a hypocrite, and so uh, and that's not good. So we have to be honest with ourselves first, radical honesty. Then we can be. If you can feel it, you can heal it, but you can't lie about it, and you got to tell the whole truth, not just the angry truth. And I think that's that's a part. What I do. You know, one of the things that I do, Kaya, is that I, uh, you know, as you mentioned the website, I do spiritual consultations. I help people to transform. And I really believe that the uh, we need wise teachers. And I think the key in the church and other organizations, we got to have people who have compassion, have commitment, and who have higher consciousness that can interpret these tools to people and teach them properly. You know that's what I really feel, and 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 um, and so I mean that's all I have to say about that. Hey, hold on, boys. It's boys. awesome, baby. <laughs> and the hits just keep on coming. This is a dream come true. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I got another caller coming on the line. Tony, I'm coming back to you next. We'll keep this ball moving like the real Los Angeles Lakers. We'll keep this ball movement moving around. I know, I know Golden State won, but we're going to keep the ball moving. I got a caller from the 205-454. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Hello? Caller from the 205-454. I got your mic open. You might have your phone on mute. All right, going once, going twice. All right. Thank you for calling in. Um, before I pass it to Tony, uh, I just want to clear my position. I'm not anti-ancestors. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, that's like, I love black people. 
I can't stand narrow-minded black people, all right? I can't stand narrow-minded black people who don't think further than just, like, to be locked into just one thing is still limiting your own power. You can be anything you want. In a dream, you control archetypes. There are no races in, in, in our dreams. It's our particular thought energy. Energy doesn't have a color. Do I love this particular body I'm in? I'm doing the show because, like I said, I'm AME born. I'm born, I'm, I'm fourth generation AME. Edward Carter, Edward Carter Jr., Napoleon Carter, and my father Arthur Carter, and me all come through uh, Lost Creek AME Zion Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So I'm really have a I really have a tie to that to that code of ethics. Abraham Lincoln says I don't know about everything else, but this is the uniform I'm in right now. So this is the uniform I'm in. I am playing for the uniform, but my mind. It still has to be open to universal situations. I just got into it with somebody yesterday trying to tell me about the Moorish Science Temple, and it's a divine national movement. I said, I'm on a universal movement. You're talking about you on a, a divine national movement. I said, so you limited to this three dimensions. I just came from a workshop where it introduced me to eight dimensions. Dr. Blair already said third, fourth, and fifth dimension was going to be was going to be coming whether you liked it or not. Joe Pukum already said third, four, fifth, fourth, and you fifth, fourth, and sixth dimension was already coming. You already in it. And now Master Gibson says, "Hey, hold is eight. He said it's eight dimensions. So for me to sit around and watch people who look like me to still be responding in like second dimension, they still operating out of the linear. It's almost." It's all, I just get more passionate about it, you know, and I do hate it, like you said, but my hate moves into courage, which makes me do something, which makes me say, hey, I'm going to have a show like we did tonight, which I just got to give everybody a big round of applause, you know what I'm saying, because we came in here, we came in here, and you know what we did? It's awesome, baby! We offered solutions for anybody who was listening. If it if if it got offensive to somebody, then we ran you off anyway. We because we knew the sentencer was trying to. My call has dropped four times tonight. Four times that I had to call in. Y'all just kept on talking. You see what I'm saying? So I know it's these agents that work on different levels that don't want this information to get out here, but it happened anyway. Uh, if you are in the queue. You better call in to catch the rest of the show because if you're listening on the computer, it's about to drop. I got about eight spots open, so 347-205-9089, 347-205-9089. Call in right now. You don't have to press one, but if you want to catch the after party because it's still getting good and these brothers is not out of gas yet, you have to call in. All right. Also, if you do have a comment, question, or feedback, just press one if you want to get in on the build. But if you are just, uh, you know, chopping it up, write something on your Instagram. Write something on your Facebook that you gained tonight. Write one thing that you took away from this tonight. Like, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not necessarily here to educate you either. I'm putting both of them together. But I, I and the brothers that I have here are here so you can take something with you and it's awesome, use baby. it. Right, and use it. Tom, uh, my big brother Tom said, spiritual tools for protection and blessings do not require human will or belief for them to work. They run on celestial will. The forces that be are trying to mask the true enemy by putting races and wealth classes against each other. See, that was 52 minutes ago. That's what I want y'all to do. Take something that you heard and share it with however many followers or however many friends that you got. It's almost like 
network marketing of spiritual information. They ain't got to buy it. They in your feed anyway. Like, it's so much at low energy vibration stuff in our social networks. What are you going to talk about tomorrow around the water cooler? Tomorrow, Saturday, you're going to be at the softball game. You're going to be doing something. You're probably spending a whole bunch of time on social media because you're not at work. Well, if you're not going to be meditating, what are you going to share with somebody that you learned tonight that may affect not the first person or the second person that heard it, but the third person? We're always going around talking about let's do an ice bucket challenge. I'm doing a let's take it to their backs. Like when I used to be in the streets, me and Tone always talking about, he said, what, you, what would you do if you was jazz? If you was in the streets, what would you do, coach? Well, if I was in the streets and somebody was coming at me, I wouldn't wait on them. I wouldn't sit around and wait on them to come and find me. You know what I would do? I'd take it to their face, and I'll go in there armed to the T with my own protection. And sometimes when you stand up to a bully like that, the bully don't want no more of you. The bully is looking for your blood that's full of fear. That's why these things happen to you and your family, you know, outside of karma and low vibrations. So I don't want to get too much on the rant. Uh, who am I kicking it back to? Tone is back on you. We're passing this thing around like a hot potato. Fired up. What you got for me? I heard you with a couple of checks over there. I know you got some thoughts. Well, here is, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, all I all I can say is this. I, I I like to make things real simple. You know, because in simplicity is complexity. The most profound things you're ever gonna experience in life are the simplest things. So I, I I've learned to keep things simple and make them plain. What's going on right now is a combination of things. A, a decision's being made about this planet, okay? A decision's being made, and all of us are participants in the decision-making process. And having said all that, the, the, the smartest thing anybody can do right now, this panel, I mean, I, I've heard nothing but good things. I've heard, and, and, I, and I can work with all of it. Because in the quantum model, I'm another version of all of you anyway, vice versa. So what I tell people in listening audience, this is the most important thing I, I want you to take away, that if you're in ear's distance of any of us and, and, and the brother that called in and Dr. Gibson, you're part of tomorrow. So in order to to project into the infinite field of possibilities and, and, and stake a claim, start thinking creatively, right brain. Dr. Jules, you're, you're right part of your, your, your brain. Uh, you're, you're creating, we are creative by design. We're, 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 we're rolling on this thing. We can, we can do anything we will to do, and the only reason why it appears uh, uh, certain things appear to be the way they are is because people are in a in a in a state of of consciousness non-voting. Okay, so what I tell people to do is, if you really want to be free, don't spend as much time on they as you do on you, because mm. selfishness is actually the the right. Uh, the, the right way to be selfish is to create the reality that you want to be in where you are part of the greater good of the planet at large. And guess what? That's a wave. It, you're the observer of the, the omni-being from where you sit. So the world you live in is going to be that better place. All this holding hands, singing kumbaya, people talking shit on Facebook, what they would have did, um, 
uh, um, reacting to things. That's it's too easy for them to get you. It's just too easy. It's too easy for you to lose if you keep feeding energy, left brain energy, into the 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 soup, into the kitchen. So I'll say this. Um, Anybody that wants to get some tangible tools on how to think differently, how to use your creative mind in a strong, affirmative way, I don't have anything to sell you. You can email me at light08radio, light08radio at gmail.com. If you're thinking differently, you'll be, you, you will be fine. I can help you, give you some ways. I have case studies, people who run after years, hey, you told me to to start doing this and visualizing, hey, guess what? It worked. Of course it works. Universe ain't never made no mistake. No such thing as coincidences. But you got to think differently. You got to, you, 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 we, we, we have been moved into the area where you can't just be a passive observer anymore. All of us in all our different ways have talked about observing, observation, okay? You can't be a passive observer. You can't do it like that anymore. You're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to create. And, and, and I urge, even though it's not the topic tonight, I urge everybody in ears distance, go see that movie, uh, Tomorrowland. You'll get it. Oh, yeah. There's nothing to decode. There's nothing. There's no $25 words. I'm the king of $25 words. But I got this. this go see the movie. You're not going to be tested on it. I don't care how you go see it, crack version or whatever, torrents or whatever, but see it because by the end of the movie, you will if, if you get what that movie's about. Once again, the message is so simple in its prof- in its in its, its profoundness. If you get it, then you're already there. We 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 could almost eat chicken and watermelon. And for those of you the vegetarian, I like to eat chicken, brother. And I eat what. My point is, all you got to do is participate with your creative mind and take action and watch what happens. Watch how this thing works itself out. You know it. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, what? What? Just, this is a dream come true. It actually no twenty five dollar word. That's right. That's right. I got another caller calling. Let's <laughs> caller from the caller from the two zero five four five four. I'm giving you one more chance. Is your mic open? Did you want to have, have something to say tonight? Hello. Caller from the two zero five two four five. Did you press one? All right, must have been an accident. Uh, Reverend Bullet, I'm swinging it back around to you. What you got for me? Or, or Jamil, whoever wants to jump in right now, it's open now. I'm feeling I'm a little more relaxed. I want to make sure I let everybody get around the round table at least a couple times. Now I'm just ready for y'all just to vibe if you do got anything that you want to put in because, you know, I got a big mouth and I talk a lot and I'm still passionate about the subject. But I love building with my brothers, and I definitely appreciate y'all being here. And, you know, I didn't have no script for this. I didn't call and be like, you talk about this, and you talk about that, and you talk about No. I said, we're going to sit down at the table like men and chop it up. We'd like to hear from some of you ladies. I know y'all, but I don't, you know what? That That's very noticeable, too, that the, none of the ladies called in tonight to put theirs in because I really don't blame them. They want to sit back and say, what are the warriors going to do? Where were the warriors at? Because I think that women are saying, how did this happen? And it happened because not only was there a chink in the armor of the of the shepherd, you know, for that particular flock, but where were the warriors at anyway? 
if that's the, you know, like, what has happened to the spirit of rebellion? What has happened to, you know, it's almost like a slap in the face. Like you said, on the same day that these people, you know, in this church a couple hundred years ago said we're getting ready to rebel against our oppressor, now we're going to let somebody come in here with an oppressive energy and there were no warriors to be on lookout. You know, have we been have we been quelled that much to sleep my religion? Um, you know, let me and, let me just say this. Let me just say this, uh 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 Kyrie. That's I a knew I would get you out of. Come on. That's come a, on. Great, come on. That's a great concern. Okay. <laughs> that's a great concern because one of the things that concerned me was the lack of response. Emotional response, asking for prayer response, putting attention on this from many of our so-called conscious people. And I, I have seen this before. When I was when I was living in my hometown, I would watch when uh, there were schools that were predominantly white. And um, again, again, I'm not trying to stir up no passion about race. I'm just observing a reality in my experience. And I noticed that when a particular uh, white child kid uh, in, in elementary school died, he uh, was killed in a car accident or something like that. And the school, the predominant school, the predominant white school, they would um, have psychologists and they would have other uh, mental health workers for the other children who were traumatized by the death of one of their loved ones. I mean, one day the little boy's in class with you, the next day he's gone, he's dead. And so they thought enough about their children that they would bring out psychologists and other health, mental, mental health care workers to answer the kids' questions about death and about dying and all that kind of stuff. But in the predominantly black school, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about back in the old days in the, in the 1960s, I'm talking about in, in the 2000s or the late 1900s. When the black child, a black child, burned up in his home, house caught on fire, the little boy died. Burnt, he burned, burned, burned to death. And the next day, they say, you know, little Johnny died, and you know, and the teachers, the principal of the school, all them African American, they just like to say, well, you know, okay, turn to page four. They just go on. Never thought about whether or not how these children were affected by. In other words, they showed no response. We watch in our own community uh, death and violence, and never once do we stop to think, you know, maybe we need some type of uh, mental health to deal with tragedy yes. and yes. trauma. We come, gotta, from a, we come from a history of lynchings and beatings and separations, uh, fathers being sold, mothers and fathers being separated from their children. That pain, where does it go? And we'll always, and then we come along, and then we're told that if you feel anger or if you feel hate, that's bad. So people submerge that and they repress it, and it gets placed into their into their unconscious mind until something happens, and that monster reveals itself. We don't deal with ourselves. We don't deal with our with our pain and our suffering. We don't deal I with it to... adequately. And so what I'm saying is that when I look and I see 
that when something happens and it happens in a black church, in a black community, historic and all that kind of stuff, and I don't see the response of compassion. And yet we can be compassionate when other people, other events happen, and we can pray and we can want to, and, kind of, and yet we don't show that same type of awareness of our own suffering and pain. That, to me, is a mental problem. That is a deep disconnect from yourself, and and it needs to be addressed. As uh, I have heard it said, that's an effect of, I'll go into the word now, post-traumatic slave syndrome. <laughs> yeah, you are not dealing with yourself, and you got a major yeah, mental out of, out of, illness we, we problem. We haven't been whole in such a long time until that's part of how we're being able to be exploited emotionally. Yeah. We haven't been Absolutely. whole in such a long time emotionally until they can shit on you. They can keep doing stuff to you because it's a knee-jerk reaction. Those people don't – those people – I'm going to say that. i got to say this. Those people that want to forgive, the, the, the ink ain't even dried yet on the, the – the bullet ain't even been removed yet. The blood ain't even dried up yet. Well, I forgive them. They really don't. They really don't. They just don't know what else to do. Uh, somebody in the panel said earlier, it's a pattern that's been just being, it's repeating itself. It's, it's in right. the DNA, just like programming a computer. I forgive them. The madder they are at that person, the more they want to forgive them because they've been programmed. It ain't even about fear. I used to think it was fear at one time. It's just learned behavior, social engineering that goes back before we <laughs> lynch, whether that really happened or not. You gotta unthink that, and you got look. Well, I forgive them, and then you go home and bust your your old lady upside the head, or beat your kids to within an inch of death, or throw your baby in a microwave oven. That's all. Those are symptoms, man. You know, look, I don't forgive nobody that's done me wrong until after I figure out what I'm gonna do about it. Then we'll figure out what color Jesus is, or if it's if you hurt my family, then you're asking for it. All bets is off. Eye for an eye. That's the part of the Bible that I believe in. Well, brother, you know, we got to love. Oh, yeah, I'm going to love putting my foot up there so-and-so or doing whatever I got to do. I'm going to love it. I'm going to do it with love for who they hurt. Because the cold part about it is that that, that young man, he is a projection of, of the, the imbalance that we're talking about in our people. We keep, we keep manifesting Demons and monsters because we've forgotten how to love and we've forgotten the God force, the God presence that's in you. So, of course, you're going you're to miss the demons. You're in their world. You were born into this world to, to, to change it or, or work on karma, dharma, coach, that's your thing. And then here you go. Okay, well, I forget all these transgressions against me. Well, what you're really doing is welcoming more of them in because forgiveness is a power when used correctly, just like all the other emotions. You know, it is what it is, man. We got it won't change. It, a kumbaya won't do it. A march won't do it, and a Manchurian candidate in the White House won't do it for you. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I, I wanted to say too, with that, that what what we're experiencing too is that when you have um, colonizers go into another country or area, they typically, if they can they will spare the soldiers and the women and the children. Uh, even the politicians will be spared because once you place a new system in, those, those people's energies can be regathered. But Absolutely. the people who Absolutely. are eliminated are the wisdom keepers, 
the wisdom keepers, the shamans, the, uh, the ritual the artists, holders. The artists, the shamans, and yes. the scientists, in that order. Yes, and, and, and it's in that order. And so this is why this conversation is so important, because though you can eliminate those people to, to the 10th degree over, over uh, centuries, they continue to be born. And so even tonight you hear the voices of those same individuals who contain those different aspects of that wisdom uh, so that left. it can be placed. It never leaves. You can't destroy it. It's never always left. reborn. You didn't hear me, you know, brother. Like, you didn't hear me. You, you didn't hear me, brother. Yeah. We never left. Let me be real clear. Right. We never left. It's as deep as a teaspoonful of water. But those are right. like deep stuff. <laughs> Well, that's exactly that's exactly the sentiment. It, it's never, you cannot eliminate it. It always remains here. And so the importance with that is now that it's the opportunity to reshape how this energy in terms of this pain, uh, in terms of this fear, and re, reshape it to transmute it. Because just like we, you know, some people get caught up in, a devil or a white man or Illuminati or an alien that feeds off our fear, uh, so do we. We can transform Thanks. fear that, into right. fuel. Right. Fear is our right. fuel. Fear can be our fuel, and pain can push us into our purpose, you know. So as we're here now, we're here giving a different uh, reshaping of this experience, and that, to me, is the most important thing. The most important thing to live with, uh, leave with, I'm sorry, <laughs> is our ability to go forward from now and to begin to redirect uh, the way that people's attention and intention is, is traveling uh, here. That's the power that we have as those wisdom keepers, uh, mm-hmm. as those, um, you know, uh, ritual holders to constantly reshape the current uh, into a beneficial mode rather than passing over something and, and taking that, uh, you know, taking that approach of an easy response because that's what we're supposed to do. You know, like when you walk in and you say, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. You say that even though all kind of crap can be going in your life because that's what you're conditioned to do. But if someone gives the permission for you to actually share your pain and teach you how to transform your fear into fuel that will empower you, then that changes the situation. And we're at that point where these crises are just like the germs in the body that eventually create the effect of a fever because the fever begins to react. And and like you said, Brother Tony, and I love that, that these situations are re-looping until the, the um, antibodies in our soul can begin to react properly and create the fever situation right. to burn this thing out, you know. And that, that's, right. that's, I think, the greatest work, to begin to burn this out gradually and help people walk through this with a different uh, mind frame in a different action frame, different speech frame, frame of speech. One of the, I, I want to, uh, Magus and Tony, all of us brought up something, and I was waiting for this brother to chime in. He had a previous, obli- uh, maybe a previous obligation, but I want to bring him on because Magus brought this question up, and we, I, I want to go to the root. Okay, so, um, who is it? Um, this is Shaharazad Ali. She's the first one to bring this to my attention. And um, in what was the book? The book was uh, Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. No, she said Black Woman's Guide to Understanding the Black Man. She said, Black woman, you've never gave 
the black man a chance to heal from the oppressions of slavery. Because nobody talked about the homosexuality, the homosexual behavior of the slave master was not just raping black women, he was raping black men too. And as soon as slavery was over, the sisters said, you know what, I ain't got time for my black man to be healed. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. I'm not talking about every black sister. Don't, don't, Don't misquote me and put words in my mouth. But now the sinister has said, yo, you need to pay more attention to having more money inside of the household by you being more technologically advanced and tuition is rising. So you're not going to be measured by how you can heal your man. You're going to be measured by if you can get your child into college because it's all about a good education and the family source was ripped apart, right? So now where did it go? Uh, uh, Mag, as you said the question, where did the pain go if it was never addressed? Let me answer it from my symptometry background and get ready to bring Dr. Abbott in. It went into the cells. It went into your yes, cells. Your DNA, yes, your DNA contained and carried every memory, every pain of every event. So if I look back at my lineage and I look back into my five generations because I'm black, I got dreadlocks like I'm from Jamaica, but I don't find any slaves, right? I don't find any slaves. All right, well, I still was in the experience because I was alive when slavery was there, but I may not have any genetic composition of a particular slave in the last six or seven generations, but somebody who I know maybe beside me, a woman I'm having sex with, May be like, yo, I'm I'm three generations from slavery, and I can track back seven generations. Well, the child that we have has my DNA and has her DNA, and it's in the cells, and it's the cells that are creating these things, not only creating Absolutely. but attracting these things to them. And it's the law, it's the law of the church that has said, I ain't got to be proactive. I can just sit up in here and just, you know, sit up here and just make sure I take care of the tithing and the offering and manage this energy of this church, you know, and get me something, 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 something. I'm not saying that's what happened in, that's not what happened in Charleston, but there was a law in defense that you saw Absolutely. this person come in here and sit Absolutely. with you. You, 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 you came in here and watched him sitting here with y'all for a whole hour and didn't suspect nothing. What was you doing? You were smoking that loud pack? I have to say that now because that's the background I'm from. You couldn't detect no energy off of this joker whatsoever? Okay, so he didn't show the gun when he first came in, but he had the gun when he first came in. And you didn't that, suspect that, anything. That, he's, 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 that's right. That's right, Coach. No, I'm sorry. He's, he's never been in the church before. He's never been in the church before. You ain't never seen him before. And now I'm all kumbaya. And, you can come on up here. That's, that's Coach, fine. Inter- Coach, can I interject this? This is something that I ain't heard. Nobody said anything about it. It went right over. They hid it in plain view. He came in there and asked for the senator by name. Think about that. He came in there and asked for the senator by name. So that means he was sent by somebody. He didn't know who the senator was. Which one of you is Senator Pinckney? Well, hold on a second, bro. Let me let me say this, and I'll let you get to uh, Dr. Abbott. Now you mentioned the church, but I wanna I wanna let you know, not every church think. Like that. Amen. Amen. Hold on a second. Now, you all. Right. Now I'm from the south. I'm from the. I'm from the deep south. 
Yeah. And it's one thing for sure that people from the Deep South believe in. That's the second, I think it's the Second Amendment. They believe in the right to bear arms. And and I'm and I'm gonna tell you something. I know some churches that I have been a member of and part of. He may have walked in, may have walked in there with a gun and done that shooting, but he would not have walked out. Because I can tell you right now, there are some churches where you could not get near the pastor because he is surrounded by. He is surrounded by. He is surrounded by uh, deacons and ushers in nice uh, $3,000 suits. But in that suit is Magnum. If he had walked up to Senator... It's awesome, uh, baby! And he had raised his hand just to shake his hand, there's some 270-pound brothers that would have broke his hand in the church. church. Because you ain't got to the for that, man. I'm just letting you know. That's right. Everybody, yeah, everybody in the church is not liberal and anti-gun. Not in the south. Hey, and by all means, That's don't try that in a white conservative church. Oh no, it's not what happened. Don't try that. No, no, no. Now I gave a case example. You remember the dude that um, went to this meeting where they were like making fun of Prophet Muhammad? How far yeah. did he get? He got his gun out, but how far did he get? In Texas, they believe in in in, in gun rights. Just want to let you know. And that's why that's why I brought Maggie's on here because Maggie is a devout, not only is he a devout uh, Gnostic Christian, but he also believes in the Second Amendment. And I'm with that program all day. That's what I'm saying. Like that's that's a part of the chick in the armor. I want to know where was the Second Amendment believer at on Wednesday night. I want all the Second Amendment believers to be on the door, point blank, point blank. There shouldn't be no. You can't afford nine lives in one week is too many. What do you say? 160 incidents in the last 10 years. That's an average of 16 per year. That means that's less. That's like every three weeks. We getting ready to lose a body of people. Hell no. That's and, and you know why? Because the sinister knows he can get away with it. Now before I get back to my let me bring in only reason. Let me that's bring, right. Let me bring in um let me bring in Doctor uh, Charlie Abbott. Call him from the three three six four one six. Your mic is wide open. What's happening? Hey coach. Hey um uh, I really really am and and I really appreciate this this panel you have going tonight, man. I mean everybody is has touched so many parts of this thing because it's needed and it's really going to help us to grow and to just start to showing up a lot of the things that um that that people won't be able to slip through the cracks like that and then you know create such a, a uproar and to bring back some of those memories you know and to create these yeah. things because you know um ultimately for us the whole mission is is to be better than our ancestors. You know, they, they paved the way for us. They did the best that they could, could for us. You know, like some of you said, like Manga said, you know, if we repress, if we repress what we, you know, either we're going to have to suppress it or we're going to repress it. And then when we repress it, it's going to come out in a whole other way. It may come out in another generation, but it's going to come right. out because, right. because the net, 
net grind slow, but nothing gets bypassed. You know, it's going to be 100%. And so as far as our, our gene pool is concerned, you know, I was just thinking about the the way that it played out because bits and pieces of it are starting to come out. When I looked at this guy and, you know, he shows up in the church and I'm going, all right, I'm looking at three three brothers in there, one's older brother, and then all these sisters. You know, we have a, a disproportionate amount of, of, we have an issue with relationships, obviously, because we're not in the church. Now, we have a minister, we have a couple of ministers on, on, on the line right now. We're going, well, we already know that there's going to be 75% sisters, maybe 25% men in the church. So we have to somehow look at how we're going to balance out this equation because, like the brother said, hey, he's from the Deep South. Somebody come up in there, and we just suspect you reaching for something. You've got five people on you already, and that doesn't mean that you're going to miss out on the spirit or anything like that. But, you know, the whole point is, for me, is that how do we get, how do we take these negative Blocks, you know, to get these these negative charges, these these crazy charges, off of these off of this DNA, you know, because you know a person will inherit ten percent from the mother, ten percent from the father. So okay, we get that. Now you got a father, and he's got a mother and father, and then he have a mother, and she's got a mother and father. Now you going on and on and on and on and on and on. And on. That's a vast trillion billion possibilities of a gene pool. Now, he slipped in to the church, so like someone said here, 100 years before, 200 years before with Denmark Zizi, here here comes the operation. But perhaps if we had some, if, if, if there was knowledge and information was being spread about scientific living, scientific eating, because those worms, okay, that feed off of gases, they feed off of you know certain microbes, certain growth factors. They're putting things in place. So this wow. guy don't have any restraints. He don't have no restraints. He said, "Oh, I, they were so nice to me. I started not, to, you know, I, I started not right. to do it, but I couldn't." He didn't have anything to restrain him. Right. So we have to look at this on a three D level. We got to look at it on a spiritual level, soul level, because you know I, I think you know you think about uh, body dharma, you know. They say the legend is he walked from India to China, and you know the monks were getting beat up and everything, and he started teaching them uh, marrow washing techniques and everything because, you know, we could be so spiritual, but at the same time not have no warrior defense. So he taught the monks basically how to defend themselves because they were getting they were getting beat up. They could they they were they were just really being being, being too passive. So, you know, I look at this and I say, you know, we have to start working towards some kind of balance where, you know, one takes care of the other. And all the things that everybody did here tonight, man, was just really uh, fantastic. But one thing we cannot forget is that the things that we put into our vessel play a major role. And so if a person is aware of their sharp, you know, your cells will, they're, gonna, they're in charge. But, again, we if they aren't, then the person may 
miss something. They may not be aware. Now, here, listening to everybody on here, I know just as soon as well we saw a stranger coming up into our gathering, you know, somebody's going to be watching them anyway. But in the case where we had a house full of, you know, basic church diets, you, you, and we know how that's going, people are, are definitely in a place where where their bodies will will create an environment in their brains and their and you know in their cells where their defense system or as they, as they call it in Asian medicine their Wei Chi their their immune system is not going to protect them. And our immune system isn't just not to catch a cold or That's anything right. like That's that. Right. It's That's immune right, it's immune That's from right. Anything. Your nervous system is an antenna. Somebody should have picked up that. I talked to Coach. We talked yeah. about this earlier. Somebody should have picked up on something. Everything has a vibration. You right. you can look at somebody that you never see. You can look at a picture of somebody, and you can feel it. Say, you know what? I, don't, I can't put my finger on it, but I don't like your looks. Or right. works both ways. You can Somebody can make me, – when me and Coach met for the first time, it's like we clicked immediately. It's like a, it's like running into family. Okay, you mean to tell me? I'm sorry, but I gotta go to. Actually, I'm not sorry. It's late in the day. We ain't gotta even say stuff in jest. The thing is, nobody picked up a vibe from this dude. His vibe. I got a vibe from just looking at his picture. And I'm not from the Bible Belt. I, you know, I'm not from. I just know what I know. I'm in tune with my body. I clean. I, I, I know. What I know, you can't tell me that you just, well, we just, we're all God's children. We just, you know, love and Look, this ain't got nothing to do with love. Yeah. Too many things were out of order. This dude come in there with a, with a, with a, with a flop of hair over one eye. Something's up. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> something's see, up, you know, man. And, and, and now we can't, we cannot negate the fact that those souls that were taken need some help because they were in the midst of something that they truly right. believed in. And then... Right. You know they was like they was looking for a hand to come out of the. I'm talking out of the sky somewhere to help them. I just know that because they go were there. in the They church. was looking for Jesus. I'm gonna go there, yes. Coach. Me and you talked about. It. I told you, Coach. I asked you, could I say this when we came on tonight? And I've been holding back. Perfect opportunity. They were looking for Jesus, and when Jesus walked in, they let their guard down. That's all I'm saying. This is interpretation Ooh. everybody else. They was looking for Jesus. They didn't they were doing what they were supposed to do based on their paradigm and their level of consciousness and religion or whatever. They were looking for Jesus. Jesus walks in, they welcome him to the table. He sits at the table and break bread with him. He can't get no better than that. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. You got the right panel to make that <laughs> statement, Look brother. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. I, Magus, Magus, I know you're hearing because he, it seems like he's coming up with you and saying that blue hair, blonde eyed, white, you know what I'm saying? And, and listen, hold on. I'm not, listen, I ain't got to apologize because this is my show. I'm the HNIC, and everybody know what N means. Listen, I'm not apologizing, but I'm just saying we're not, I'm against, look, look at the information of who they drew the picture after. That picture of that. Jesus, as in all these churches, is a mass murderer. Here's a, here's a string of events. Let me, let, I really want to go there. Oh, man. Nah, I really want to go there. Hey, man, this is me. 
I take all responsibility for my stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm only speaking for me right now. I ain't speaking for tribal faith. I ain't speaking for Moses Matters. I ain't speaking for light or weight. I'm just telling you what, what me see. You understand? I'm, I'm telling you what me see. So as I go, and if I want to go on, on the page, and I just go scrolling down through the pictures, and I see this uh, I see this image, and all of a sudden I find out that the picture that's on most churches, remember the one um, on Anybody Watch Good Times, and uh, Michael yep. told his mama was like, you know, let's, Let's put up. Let's put this other Jesus, you know, because it looks more like us. And 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 Florida Evans said, no, this is the one we've been working with right here. We're gonna keep working with this one. Well, history, not not like something that I made up. Okay, it's just a fact. Where it came from is he was modeled after a murderer. He was modeled yeah. after a murderer, and then taken on a colonization campaign. A colonization yeah. campaign. We're gonna to have to take colonization campaigning back and take truth out there and put truth back into the facts of what we say and show and prove. But you must remove and release the picture of the murderer because if you got a murderer on your wall, you're giving off murder. You're giving energy to murdering energy. If you put talismans up on the wall, then you are invoking energy of protective magic. It's the same way. Let me take it something some of y'all may sound too deep. If you go into a woman's bedroom and she got silk, pink, silk sheer stuff just hanging around, it changes your tough guy attitude. It changes mine. I'm not tough anymore. I'm not real tough guy Kaya no more when I walk into a woman's boudoir and see it being real soft and sensual and smelling like incense and all that. But we cannot continue to say, I got a murderer up in here and he's my salvation. Because the proof has come to you that what you think you what he's gonna look like just walked in there and got nine bodies, and I yo the blood is on somebody's hand, man, and that's why I'm doing the show because it's part on my hands too. I can't fly and snap my fingers and be in Charleston, and I'm definitely not throwing all the because I've been to Pine Bluff Church when Reverend Bullet was there. I knew wasn't. I was so safe in there. I, I knew wasn't nothing going down. Most time I go to a new place, I like to sit in the back. That's because I'm from a warrior tribe. I like to sit in the back, see what's popping off. But I was on like the third row. I was like, I know we good. I seen some of the brothers in there. I said, Oh, we straight. Damn, damn, damn. But I also saw the talismans that were up on the wall. I saw the practical use of magic being used, and it made everyone in there feel safe. But I also want to address and want them to speak on, especially you maggots, that the numbers in the church. We ain't going to get to 50-50 in the church. We ain't going to get to 50% men, 50% women. It's not going to happen. But men coming because there's more women in there, and that's that's the energy. That's the majority energy. How do we get more protection of this church or of any of these meetings of people when we have fewer numbers of the males who are supposed to be the natural warriors. What's the strategy, Maggie? Well, it goes back to um, the leader of the church, the leadership. They have to, um, they have to be courageous to, I guess, speak to the women and the men about reality. Let me put it this way. Many many of the um, the population of most churches are predominantly women. 
we live in a society where the society panders, preachers, many preachers pander for financial reasons to um, women. And and what you have here is a lot of men uh, are estranged from church. And, and so the pastor has to have the courage to... Be a man, trying to find nice words, to be a man and <laughs> call the men, like the Bible says, Adam, where are you? He has to call the men back to being <clears throat> um there 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 are three messages that I have on YouTube about the rise of God men. I talk about the you know it says in the Bible that when an enemy comes in your home, the first thing he does is bind the strong man. And that's and that's the problem. A lot of men have been bound. And and that means when I say that, that means that they have been they have been pacified, to use a nice word, and they have been softened. Our society works very well hard at making males Men in their home look weak. They have, they have, they have presented a philosophy that uh, men don't matter. Women say, "I don't need a man." Okay, and as a result, a lot of a lot of women who are single have run their men away. Not that men are necessarily. They'd be bad or they're not good men, but they cannot truly be in a home whereby their manhood is jeopardized. Therefore, they leave. A lot of men are missing in action. So the minister has to develop strategies and to attract men. You cannot have, I mean, think about it. You You have this singing in church that's basically romanticism about God. Like for Pretty example, there's a, there's a song that, that that's sung in the church. I can't sing it. You know, when I was in the church, I'm not in the church now, but I'm just saying. But when I was in the church, I couldn't sing it. There's a song that goes, "Falling in love with Jesus." Now, there's nowhere in the Bible that I've read where it tells you to fall in love with God or with Jesus. That and how can a man looking at Jesus? As um, either whether he's a black man or whether he's a white man or whatever kind of man he is, I mean, it's something wrong. We talking about falling in love unless he's unless he's gay. But for most men, they don't want to fall in love with another man. So therefore, we have to speak the language that men speak. Men are doers. Men are protectors. So you got to put an image of God that's in front of him that appeals to his manly nature that calls him to being a certain kind of protector, provider, nurturer, nourisher of his family. That's what that's one of the things you have to do. Um you also, I believe, you have to you have to speak the kind of messages that affirms male sexuality. You can't preach a message that penalizes men for being men when it comes down to their 
sexuality. I, I'm not talking about heterosexual. I'm talking about just being sexual. And you know, you uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, there's a sermon that I preach called that that it says uh, how to penetrate the universe. And I think that's a pretty good. I think I think that's a pretty good uh, uh, message <clears throat> because that's what a man is. He stands firm. He's hard. Why? Because he needs to penetrate the universe. It's also a message to women is that they have to be the kind of woman that causes a man to want to penetrate their universe. That's what it's supposed to be. So we can't run from sexuality. We cannot run from sex. And that's one of the problems that obviously that they have in in uh, in the church. It is almost anti-sexual. That's not going to attract men. We have to teach young boys. We have to teach young boys how to be men. And the most important thing about a young boy has to be taught to a young boy is how to manage his own um, his own his own relationship with women. Because the truth of the matter is is that. <clears throat> The key to a man's success is a woman. And one of the things that also the key to a man's destruction, not knowing how to manage feminine energy, that has to be taught. This is where the older men must teach the younger men how to select the type of women to be and to treat the type of women that they eventually see and become their wives and the mother of their children. These things have to be taught because we've come out of <clears throat> anti-sexual uh, or sometimes painful sexual histories, you know. And so we have to learn how to love each other, how men have to love women, women have to love men, so that we together become that conscious force that when we come together, whether two or three are gathered, the I am is in the midst. So, and then we have to, you know, then then, then we have to have women who teach other women how to love a man and 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 how to keep that man strong. So those are three messages that I speak on, but it's more just telling a message. You have to program, you have to program that into the, into the ritual of the church. And I think if you do that, um, men men will train their sons to protect their circumference, or y'all say their fiber, to protect their environment. You know, and so that's one of the things that I really feel that needs to be done. And we have to stop allowing the outer world, which has an agenda to soften men, to take the the lead out of a man. We have to we have to stop letting that information penetrate our mind, our consciousness. So it's a lot that we have to do, but it can be done. In some places, it is done, and uh, but that's what I think that should be done. It's awesome, baby! This is a dream come true. He done took it all the way to the whole nother level. Because, now, I was first off, Tony was like, he wasn't going to say something. Then I said, I wasn't going to say something. Then Maggie says, well, hey, the brothers are soft because the sisters done got them soft. Woo! Not all sisters ain't got all brothers soft. But I do have to, I do this whole effeminization of brothers where you don't want to come around because you've been emasculated. 
if you want protection, you can't emasculate the protector. I'm going to repeat. If you want protection, you can't emasculate the protector. Now, that's all the way across the board. So, uh, Magus can talk about that fully because he was in the church for 20 years. <laughs> Guess what? I can talk about it because I've been in the conscious community for 20 years. So, you hoteps and you Kushites and you Moabites and all of whatever else you want to call yourselves, you see what I'm saying? With not having no money sales and but you always hollering that you want to do something and you ain't and you well you ain't angry at somebody you're passive you're passive aggressive you have to understand that it's gonna not just end at the church it's gonna it it's gonna come and, and fall on your lap one day too so whenever we see what the Martin Luther King said an injustice anywhere for anybody is an injustice everywhere for everybody we can't just be like. I'm so disassociated with that. Yeah, I can't keep responding. I love what Minister Jew came in and said about I can't keep letting them give me past data. I have to take that data and be able to transform it. Here's a here's a technique I think they don't call me coach for nothing. I got a video called on YouTube called How to Control Your Hearing. Here's a here's a good one. When somebody says something to you, they only have control of it until it leaves their lips. Let me repeat that. When somebody says something to you, they only have control of it until it leaves their lips. Once it gets past their lips and it's in the air, anybody can manipulate it, including you. So let's say JoJo comes up to me and says, you knucklehead, short, good-for-nothing, dumb SOB. That's what was in his heart, came up through his larynx and parted his lips. But once it left his lips, it was up to me what I did with the virus. See, when people say something like that, they're trying to infect you with a virus. So what I can do is manipulate it before it even gets to my ear and says, I control this. My sensory perception is at a level from practice and meditating that I can say, oh, I feel a little bit of BS coming at me, a little bit of uh, disagreeable energy. I'm going to switch it over into him saying, how you doing, King? I got much respect for you. you re- you're rather intelligent, and I like your swagger. And that's what I digest because it keeps me out of trouble and it keeps me from digesting a virus that he may have intended to impenetrate me with, like a like a, they call it the evil eye. Somebody just look it's at a, you. I got people. It's all. I got people right now. All. I got people now. Hello? Oh, no, Coach, it's just, I, I'm going to say this real quick. A lot of black people don't know this. That like you know you you walk by some old you usually Jew it's usually uh, Jewish people usually elder Jewish people the reason why they say bless you they got nothing they could care less whether you bless it gives them a shield of protection they're performing a ritual so you pass by some elder Jewish women they oh, bless you bless you I saw it's one of that as a young man and growing up and I found out an initiate that taught me said. That's a sphere of protection that you're putting around yourself, and that's part of what you're talking about, Coach. You're, you're, they've been trained, conditioned, using their religion as a way of life for real to manipulate other people in the world, and they know how to use it and get the power out of it. I just had to interject that because what you said is so true. Appreciate it. Jamil, I know you want to add in on that. Come on. 
Well, I, w- I wanted to jump in on something too when, when we talked about the uh, the current church and how do we begin to infuse it with uh, some of that we're talking about. But another aspect, which is really really not put out there too much, um, but is a, a really powerful one, is that a lot of these things are already dead. Um, yeah, they, speaking the, of it, the like church this, needs an overhaul, man. Right, and, and and I'm talking about from the statistical data of the great decline in the membership. That's something people are not aware of. But you have a generation in there that is all—they're fading out. They're fading out of existence, and they're not being replenished with the next generation. And, and it reminds me of a um, of a scripture in the Old Testament, and the people are saying, "Well, this new generation—they're unruly." You know they're they're out of control. They're destructive. Much like how we talk about the young generation now, but then uh, in that scripture, the Creator says, "No, they're the ones who have been infused with the proper nature uh, to conquer the reality that's destined for them." So another part of that is that we are having to catch up to the future. The the younger generations have already come into this world blocked off from the things that we bought it and our parents bought into. They don't buy into it. They don't have the wisdom of life experience, I, I, you know, in, in those cases. But what they do have is the right heart in terms of um, being fearless. Now, that gets directed the wrong way, but the positive about that is that they're already living in a place where they are prepared to take on and assume something that's more in alignment with what reality is really um, supposed to be about. So it requires now, uh, you know, different ones of us to step boldly into that place, you know, and and challenge our own fear, challenge our own pain to step into that place to kind of catch up to the future because that, that reality now that's there, it's not being replenished, and the numbers show that. Even though it's been a powerful institution, it is it is on the decline, and this is much the same reason why I believe we see these crises because an animal can still move after it's dead, or if something is caged uh, in the uh, caged in the back, you know, back into a corner. It's ferocious, even though its time is actually up, and this is where these things are coming up right now. Uh, and so I think this is where we have an opportunity because when you have a crisis, you actually have a vulnerable or a fertile kind of ground to seed it with something else. And in, in terms Absolutely. of the church, you have a whole generation just waiting to hear a particular voice to begin to guide them into a place where the future that's been destined now manifests. And I, I just wanted to put that out there because sometimes when we get caught up in what's happening, we let that moment like these tragedies define our existence when in, in fact they're actually telling us that something has already ended. People already know the financial system in America, even though we still can go to Starbucks, you know, we can still cut cable on, it's all it's already dead in many ways. It's just waiting for something else to rise in its place. So we have a, a really uh, a great great amount of fertile opportunity if we can do <laughs> like like Megan said, if we're bold enough to penetrate the universe, uh, you know, if we're willing to stand in, in our truth and our reality. If we're willing to do that, then we actually are here to create new self-fulfilling prophecies, uh, you know, together. So I, I wanted to put that out there because there's a certain reality that though it looks really daunting sometimes, it's actually already dead. It's just playing itself out uh, while we have an opportunity to implant something new. And absolutely. Stop feeding 
to look bury the dead. You know what I'm saying? And and, and yeah. put some water on some yeah. flowers. Put some dirt on dead and put some water on some flowers before y'all get out of here. I gotta try to get one more person on but before I got to give everybody their their website. Jamil, that's my big brother, Tribes of Faith. He's the minister that's got his son on the left and the sword on the right. You understand? That's what I'm talking about. Tribesoffaith.com. Tribesoffaith.com. Maggie's Wicked Bullet, this brother knows where the <clears throat> knows where the deacons at who believe in the Second Amendment. You understand? He got that real <laughs> magic. He's not scared of no Vodun. He ain't scared of no Wiccan, Hoodoo, no nothing. He understands African spirituality and making it, like I said, from the old school, bringing it right to the new school, something that you can use today. You understand? GnosisMatters.com. G-N-O-S-I-S Matters. M-A-T-T-E-R-S. I didn't misspell it on the thing. My apologies, but it's Matters with two T's. If you want to catch with Dr. Charlie Abbott, it's Symptometry of NC.com. S-Y-M-P-T-O-M-E-T-R-Y of NC.com. And Tony Quaid, you can catch him at Light, L-I-G-H-T, 08 Radio at Gmail. Light, 08 Radio at Gmail. He got some other stuff coming, but I ain't got permission to talk about it. But good God, you got to have a mastermind crew. Some people can look at me and say, Coach, how do you do it? Because y'all, I, I just for a second, I let y'all peek behind the curtain. You got to duplicate what Coach is doing. You got to get you a mastermind crew who talking about something like masters, they ain't sitting around talking about no slaves. I can't have a slave conversation with anybody who's been on this phone tonight. For one, they're not slaves, and two, they refuse to talk like that. So I don't have a choice. So somebody says, oh, you talk all this. It's only because of the company I keep. It's only because of the company I keep. So I want to give these brothers a big round of applause for this honor of me. Let me be in their company. And don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. It's awesome, baby. I got some sisters I roll with, too, who hit real hard, too. And they believe in keeping the man firm. And they believe in the universe being penetrated. You understand what I'm saying? That's a whole other level of magic. They start hearing sex magic. And, oh, I agree. Whoa. Start hearing about tantra. And, oh, wait. Yeah, we're going to have to be free of some of these limitations if you want to have better results in your life, all right? I know I ain't got but like a minute left. This brother's going to try to kill me when I open this microphone up. He's been trying to press one all day. Aldo, you got about 30 seconds. I hope you say something. <laughs> uh, you killed me. You killed me. But, um, man, it, 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 this was very powerful. But I want to go – I got three levels real quick. Um, One of them is people keep saying white supremacy. There's nothing about this. this it doesn't exist. It's white inferiority. You only, you only do certain things when you're inferior and you feel like you need to take over. So there's no white supremacy. That's one. The, sec, the second thing is, is America ready for a, a race war? America, America is not ready for a race war because who wins at the end? The people that, that part of that beat wins at the end. And the third thing is, on a higher level, is what's going on in Haiti right now or in the Dominican Republic. To, to me, I can look at it as Dominicans being racist racist to Haitians. I'm a first-generation Haitian-born. But I can look at it again in a different one, a higher level, as the ancestors telling people to go back to the root. Bukman and Tucson, Desailene are telling Haitians to go back to the root, go back to the Bois, Bois Kaimo, where the ceremony happened that, that freed the slaves. 
that 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 that, that the revolution, the only successful Asian re- um, black revolution that took out white inferiority. So to me, that's what it is. It is 